Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, it's the 3rd of November, and Forbes is reporting Dan Snyder might be selling the Washington Commanders. What a glorious mother-effing day it could turn out to be. Hi, everyone. It's time for Morning Combat. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., joined by the king of Connecticut himself. It's my friend and yours. It's Brian Campbell. How are you, B.C.? Luke, I'll have to say this. I'm doing really good. I apologize for my downtrodden anger Monday when I was tired and I had tech issues and I wouldn't stop telling the fans that this is the worst episode in the history of our show. You know what I mean? I mean it <laughs> yeah, was, you, you were real fun on Monday. I got to yeah, tell you. Yeah, it really was. But uh, I create, you know what I did today, Luke? I didn't reach, but I created, I created a workaround for my tech issue. So uh, score one for the old guy here, Luke. I'm happy of all the days. Hump day is my favorite for this show because it's got the lowest expectations, Luke. So I, that's how I live my life, Luke. I try to lowball you into you thinking I'm an absolute decrepit human. And then the rest of the way, all I do is surprise you. It's a fantastic working model. It's great. Well, I think I surprised the viewers just now by saying it was the 3rd of November. It's the 2nd because I'm uh, obviously yeah. brain damaged. But either way, it's the first show in November. How about that for 2022? So thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe if you are new here. Fun show for you today. We're going to preview the weekend's UFC card. We're going to preview the weekend's, got to tell you, this is a... BC, correct me if I'm wrong. This Zerto Ramirez, Dimitri Bivol fight. Yeah. Sleeper excellence right there. Sleeper excellence. Absolute hardcore sleeper from Abu Dhabi. Todd Grisham going to be on the call. Do you know he sat behind me in first class on the way home on Sunday? What a Please, what please a tell random... me you, far, you farted on him relentlessly. <laughs> no, I just wanted to, to drop that, you know, that flex right there. That, that There you go. There you go. There it is, Luke. But uh, yeah, man, go. it's, it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a fun weekend. Hey, election season is heating up. Are you tied into any specific... Congressional Senate or gubernatorial races, Luke? Mostly the news just depresses me. I try not to read as much of it these days, if I can be honest. You know what I just discovered? I know I'm about 10 years late to the party on this. John Fetterman of Pennsylvania. This guy's out of control, Luke. He is. Uh, that's a fun little race there in Pennsylvania between him and Dr. Oz. So, Oh, my God. All six. They say for six eight he stood, Luke. This guy looks like an absolute MK dirtbag donk. <laughs> he Only he, he wears he sweatpants does. to the. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't know who exactly like would like the show better, but if I had to guess, it's going to be a dude like that. But who the fuck knows? Uh, all right. 
So we have a lot to get to today, as I mentioned. Also want to remind every folks, Showtime is the label that pays. Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Want to remind folks, Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, you got BC and LT on the call for the prelims this weekend, BC. What do we got in store for the good folks there? Dude, this is great. So Saturday night, Showtime Championship Boxing is back in Minneapolis at the Armory, which is becoming one of boxing's greatest venues. Good main event with David Morrell Jr. in there. But we are calling the Countdown Prelims. How about this for names? We got Julian J-Rock Williams back at middleweight looking to shake off a two-fight losing skid. And we've got... Andre Durrell versus Unieski Gonzalez in a light heavyweight main event pairing here between two former, you know, pretty big names who are looking to stay alive and keep it going. Three fights coming your way. BCLT, we're going to make it look EC. Come hang out with us. It's going to be a fun ride. 6.30 p.m. Eastern on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel Saturday night. That's right. You can get Showtime to watch the main card, but you can watch the prelims with us for free. So what's what's the problem with that? Join us then, 6.30 p.m. Uh, in the East. BC, we've got merch. You can go to morningcombat.store, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe we got a bit of a discount today, do we not? We do. Once in a while, our guy, uh, RJ, uh, <laughs> RJ Crackerbell, wants to give back to the people a little bit. So for today only, how about you take 10% off what you got here using our code LIVE10 right now. Head on there. I believe we've got a, a, a brand new set of hats. So uh, you people are always like, hey, all I ever do is... is uh, you know, give to MK. When are they going to give back? Well, we're going to give you a head right here. Okay. New fall headwear uh, from MK. Check it out right now at morningcombat.store. You're going to wipe the way it looks on you, Luke. I guarantee it. All right. Did you did you sneak in? We're going to give you a head head joke. We're going to give you a head joke. No. Is that what, is that what you just that did? Was, that wasn't my intention, Luke. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's uh, like I think that was exactly your intention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so that's all of the preamble stuff. I want to remind you as well, we have the partner that we always go to. They're just the old reliable, but they're it's an oldie but a goodie. We we do all of our days with it. I'm talking about Athletic Greens, BC. I want better gut health. I want better energy. And, you know, I'm not trying to take a bunch of pills and vitamins. Well, here's the thing, Luke. There's a lot of things you could tell me that I can do to turn my life around. Exercise, eat broccoli, all that absolute bullshit. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like the feel of it. But this... It doesn't taste super healthy at all. It's got a mild tropical taste. But you know what I like best about it? The way it makes me feel. I start my morning every single day with one scoop, eight ounces of water, mix that shit together. And then what you got here is a concoction of green greatness. To for, You know, look, I don't often feel clean, Luke, except for when I'm drinking this AG1. Have you showered yet today? No, I didn't shower yesterday either. So, uh, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a nice <laughs> oh, run right now. All right? Oh, I, I at least showered yesterday, but I haven't showered yet today. <laughs> also, when you're drinking this AG1, what do you get? 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals. Uh, how about whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens? Help you start your day right. Yeah, and what does it help you with? How about gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging? You got an ailment. I can't tell you that AG1 will fix it. But it'll help you get going in the right direction. And Luke, is it expensive? No. All right? You know what I like best about it? The price, brother. If you got a cold brew habit out there, you already know what it is. Okay, less than three bucks a day. Why don't you take a stand for your own body and stop being on IG looking at 115-pound females' fighters' bodies? Taking Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial anything. Yeah, Luke, it's actually what they call a small micro habit. 
that produces big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take care, great care of yourself. And if you're wondering, hey, BC, you're an absolute piece of crap. Why would I trust you? Don't trust me. How about trusting the 7,000 people that have tried AG1, have put a five-star review and spread the word? I'm talking about leading health experts here. I'm talking about Gervais, Ferris, Rogan, right? Campbell. Right? Gamble. That's right. A model of health. Uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season, which is picked up now. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements yeah. to look out for your health. And if that sounds hard to you, why don't we make the deal even easier? Athletic Greens is going to sweeten it. You order right now by going to athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. You're going to get for free. Excuse me. A one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and the five free travel packs that Luke and I both use on the road to keep ourselves alive. Again, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, BC, let's get to it. Yeah. Topic number one, we start as we customarily do on this show with UFC. There is UFC, I think it's Fight Night, uh, Rodriguez versus Lemos, or whatever it is on ESPN. I think it's UFC Vegas 64. Either way, in your main event, it's an interesting contest. Marina Rodriguez taking on Amanda Lemos. BC, this will be, of course, in the strawweight division. Rodriguez sitting at minus 210 as it currently stands. Lemos at a plus 180. When you size these two ladies up, first things first, what are they fighting for? Well, they're certainly fighting for positioning in this deep and always competitive 115-pound division. But I think for Marina Rodriguez, who enters as the favorite, will this be the last step she has to take as, you know, consistently the most underrated fighter in this division to truly enter that title picture? She's won four in a row, and I think you can put those four wins, included in, in terms of the quality of opposition she's faced, really up against anyone in the division right now. This is not a slight at Lamos, who comes in, as you mentioned, plus 180 as an underdog. She's won six of her last seven, even though two fights ago we, we saw her get submitted by Jessica Andrade. I'm just looking at the title picture as it is right now. Carla Esparza is going to make the first defense of this new title reign uh, next week, not this weekend, next weekend in New York City. Uh, against former champion uh, Zhang Weili. We obviously have Rose Namajunas looking to, to get a bounce-back fight. Will that be against Jan Shaunan, who just defeated Mackenzie Dern? I'm not sure. But, Luke, if Marina Rodriguez in particular specifically wins this fight, she has to be the next number one contender. She's 35 years old, as is Lemos, but Marina is on a strong run right now. She looks to be title-ready this it has all the makings to be that last hurdle that she has to clear. Remember, this was supposed to be Bryce Mitchell versus uh, Evolov. That got moved. They brought in this fight. It's a strong fight. I like that they're going five rounds because whoever comes out of this looking to truly enter that title picture, I want them to have earned it. Up to this point, all Marina Rodriguez has done has gone out there and earned it against tough competition. you got to hand it to Marina Rodriguez. Listen to her strength of schedule heading into this contest. So she had a loss to Carla Esparza then rebounded against Amanda Hebos, then rebounded against Michelle Waterson, Michelle Waterson Gomez, as she's known now. Then she beat Mackenzie Dern in a very tough contest, and then she beat Yan Xiaonan. She is currently sitting, BC, in the rankings, for whatever that is worth, at number three. The two people above her in the rankings would be Rose and Zhang Wiley. And so below her, where Amanda Lemos comes in, is at seven. So Rodriguez arguably is already sitting in a spot where if she just waited, she could potentially get a title shot. Now, that's not guaranteed, but... There's not a whole lot of great options ahead of her. Andrade is coming on, so we'll see what happens there, although I think her next fight's back at 125, if I'm not mistaken. 
But uh, in either case, she's sitting at three. She's giving a shot to someone at number seven. Given what she's already accomplished and given that she's continuing to still fight when she probably doesn't have to, especially against someone ranked outside the top five, highly commendable by her. Very, very commendable fighter here in not shying away from challenges, not sitting around. Again, you wouldn't blame her necessarily if she did, but she's choosing not to, and she's getting after. you got to really respect that. And, of course, they both have wins over Watterson Gomez. They have, a couple, I think, a couple of fights. Can I ask you a question, a yes, matchmaking please. question here, Luke? Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we, we just laid out kind of what's at stake here, where everyone is positioned Obviously, I think Marina's got a, a heads up here for the moment on lane motion in terms of that that conversation. Is there any fear if you're Marina Rodriguez about what you just said? The idea of has she accomplished enough with, okay, four wins is four wins, but as you mentioned, very good names escalating. Is there a shot even with a win here that she gets passed over? I know Rose is just coming off of a title loss in one of the weirdest and most bizarre performances. She's got her documentary coming out. She's still... You know, I still have Rose in my top five pound for pound because she's that great and that fight and that loss doesn't seem to tell us where she's actually at. Is there fear in Tim, Team Rodriguez or should or should there be fear that regardless of whether she wins or loses, the UFC is just going to put the winner of next Saturday's title fight in a trilogy bout against Rose anyway? Is there any fear in that or will Rose have to come back and win and earn another crack in your eyes? There very much could be a case where they give her another fight because while she lost, as we all know, to Esparza, it was a really, and this is, you know, both are to blame, but it was a really lackluster contest. And you just, it's hard to know what to make of that. It certainly doesn't put one necessarily on great footing with the organization, but again, it was a mutual failing. And, uh, you know, did it really show she was out of her depth? I mean, not exactly, right? So for those reasons, like, based on popularity and currently her, her position in the rankings, is that on the table? Like, there's just no doubt it's on the table. And BC, to, like, double down on that answer, this is sort of the risk you run if you're Marina Rodriguez. Let's say you beat Amanda Lemos, and it's a fine fight, but it's a decision. What did you really gain with that? It's not like beating Lemos is some walk in the park. Hello, the, the odds are relatively close. But it's like you're beating the number seventh ranked contender. Does that meaningfully put you in a vastly different spot than you were before. For example, contrast that, and this is a you know a crazy example, but just to show you what's possible, contrast that with something like Sean O'Malley at, at, at 13 when they first booked it, 11 by the time the fight was happening, against the number one contender. Well, there you have a big spot. And to answer the question the other way around, if Lemos ends up winning this and then beats Rodriguez, well, then it really reshuffles the order. So this is yeah. a huge risk for Rodriguez because while it will be valuable to get a win and to stay busy, that absolutely is true. It's not worth nothing. The risks are significant, and the win itself, while important, it doesn't really change the dynamic if the UFC is hell-bent on a fight with Rose again, with one exception, BC. If she goes in there and dog-walks Amanda Lemos, which is not easy to do, but if she does that, that could potentially put the Rose thing even further on the back burner. And then what do you do then? Put Rose against Mackenzie Dern, off, both coming off losses? I don't know. I think, like you said, the Rose star power... Mixed with the fact that she wasn't exposed or handled in that Esparza loss in their rematch. It was just a slow, weird, I don't understand to this moment what Rose was doing type of fight. But it's already weird enough, and it's rare, when you get a trilogy off of one person having won twice, right? We just saw that with Holloway and Volkanovski, but it's rare. In this case, (laughs) there's two scenarios, right? If Carla wins, her and Rose could fight a third time, even though Carla won the first two. And on the flip side... Rose beat Whaley twice, and they could run that back a third time. So interesting. I, I don't think anyone would would cry foul necessarily because Rose is a two-time champion. She's a star. 
But it, it's an interesting position. I think if you're Marina Rodriguez, as you mentioned, you got to just do what you do, which is stay busy, continue to convince them. Because, Luke, the window could be closing-ish. She's 35. She's fighting at the peak of her powers now. She's not an overwhelming commercial or marketing force. Sometimes this is what you have to do, right? Keep showing up, keep winning, and then you finally get your, your opportunity. One thing they could do, depending on what Andrade is up to, is they could do another fight, I think a third one now, between Andrade and Rose. They could do that. That is at least on the yes. table, depending well, on what Well, Andrade has that, that 125 fight, though, which is, which is just right. kind of was a curveball to us. Here's the thing. It's like in the two fights ago, Andrade was back down, I think, at this weight class, and then she beat Lemos, and then Lemos rebounded against Waterson Gomez. So it's like... I don't really know exactly where Andrade is in all of this, but if 115 is on the table, that is a fight they could make. Again, we're speaking in, in you know hypotheticals here. That makes it hard to yeah. understand. Again, this is why you have to be really, really respectful of what Rodriguez is attempting here. Not a huge upside against a still very difficult opponent with very much uncertain circumstances in the division above her, giving away, or at least I should say potentially giving away, a rankings position to a fighter ranked outside the top five who's still tough. It's it's highly commendable. That being said, BC, how do you size these two two up? I'd like to sort of go over some of the numbers here very quickly. Strikes landed per minute for uh, Rodriguez, 5.03, which is good. Strikes absorbed, 3.07. So she's got a positive di- differential of almost two integers. That's very high. On the other side, Lemos, 4.87 strikes landed per minute, which is very good. But she absorbs 4.4. Her defense, 48% to Lemos is 57. Lemos, much harder to hit and still delivers much better I want to point that out. On the grappling side, this is where it's going to be kind of interesting. For 15 minutes, Lamos just 0.2 takedowns in that 15-minute window. Over 1, 1.07 for Lamos. So it seems like she might want to mix it up there a little bit. Takedown defense from either is okay. 81% is pretty good, actually, for Lamos. 65% for Rodriguez. Neither is a, a super dynamic submission threat, although, obviously, Lamos just got one over Waterson Gomez. How do you size these two uh, two up? Is it really for Lemos? It's got to be the takedown because on the feet she's overmatched. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, look, I want to kind of stop your question in mid thought and ask you: Do you think these odds are right on? And it's like Lemos has won six of seven, but what's her best wins in there? Okay, she beat Waterson Gomez at a time last fight where it looks like Waterson Gomez is going in that direction. She's got a split decision win over Angela Hill. The rest of those victories are against the lower tier of this division, not the you know top ten variety. I, I kind of feel like Rodriguez, Rodriguez should be favored a little bit higher. Am I ignorant, Luke, in, a, in a, just a filthy, gross casual? Well, I mean, you know, maybe this is part of the reason why Rodriguez hasn't quite advanced in the way that you might imagine. Like she beat Mackenzie Dern, and Dern made it very uncomfortable for her on the ground. But it wasn't like a truly dominating whipper ass kind of win. It wasn't that. And she has had some good ones. She had the win over, let's see, uh, Montserrat Conejo. Excuse me, that's Amanda Lemos. Excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong one here. I apologize. Um, in going back through her wins, the Hebos win was nice. The Wat- Watterson Gomez win was nice. The Dern win was tough. And the Sean Now win was nice. But it's not like, like if I had to ask you what her best win was, yes, she's got some good names on there. But her most vicious highlight reel performance. It's not like it jumps out to you right away. She's just sort of consistently very good. And so I think she had, which is like not a, in no way a knock, but she hasn't had that accelerant moment. She hasn't had that catalyst True. moment that really propelled her. 
I don't know that this does it necessarily either, but BC, it's a five-round main event. I tend to think she looks pretty good in those. Her her, her uh, cardio doesn't suffer. Um, she has very good defense on the ground such that she needs it, and obviously we've seen what she can do as a Muay Thai operator. I, I, I would say that I do think in my heart of hearts the odds should be further apart, but Lemos can be a little bit unpredictable. She definitely is offensively minded, right? Doesn't mind getting hit, which we just showed you. There can be reasons to think she could be a great disruptor. Rodriguez has looked very solid, very good, but not like crazy exceptional. And I think for yeah. those reasons, the odds are a little closer than you might imagine. May, you know, you make a good point there. Maybe Rodriguez, despite the, the the strong four fight win streak, doesn't have a dominant style. She has a, I don't want to call it a spoiler style because she's not a spoiler. She doesn't come out here and upset everybody, but she has a style that just kind of counters what you do well and makes it difficult for you, right? She has the cardio, as you mentioned. She's tough in the clinch. She can strike. She's accurate. She's, she sets a good pace. I mean, there's kind of things she does well to offset you, but but you you are looking at her to kind of turn that corner and potentially win this dominantly, especially in terms of her, you know, hopes of gaining a title shot. Is that in her, though? Does she have that type of offense? She's, she's more steady than spectacular. Right. I mean, listen, listen to, to these results in the UFC. She won her first fight in a contender series via KO. That's nice. But then after that, majority decision, unanimous decision, unanimous decision, majority decision, split decision. A couple of those, excuse me, three of those were losses, by the way, to uh, Esparza and Randa and then Cynthia. And then, of course, she had the nice KO against Amanda Hebos, and that was on that Poirier McGregor card. That was amazing. But then right after that, unanimous decision, unanimous decision against Yan Xiaonan. The split decision. It's been mostly these like kind of tough, grueling fights that she's been in against very, very well, credentialed opposition. Can I, can I dead wrong you here? Up. Yeah. Can I dead wrong you? You said three of those were losses. One was a loss, and that was a split decision. Oh, sorry. To Carla the es- random Marcos Esparza, fight was a draw. Yes. Right. That I remember. Believe I remember thinking Rodriguez won that fight. Esparza had a couple of those split decisions that she kept advancing with. Hey, that's what the judges ruled it. But you know, majority draw with Calvillo. Majority draw with Random Marcos. You know, maybe, but maybe that echoes the point here. Maybe there's times when she's solid, steady, not spectacular. That's hurt her on the cards in those three blemishes, if you want to call those two draws blemishes. Yeah, maybe that's the good point. Maybe this is the fight where she's got to work out of that Muay Thai clinch and and try to Rich Franklin somebody, Luke. If you get my drift, dude. The reality is about is is this about champions? Champions basically have to be more than competent. They kind of have to be a little bit good everywhere. In general, and there's there's some exceptions to this, obviously, but in general, what they need to be is especially like enduring champions at a bare minimum. They need to basically be good everywhere, but then they have to have a couple things where they're just like way better than the competition at. She's certainly got very good Muay Thai, but in the way that that can be disrupted in MMA, it hasn't exactly been like a super dominant ace in the hole. It's been very, very good for her. Please don't misunderstand me, but it's not like it's, oh my God. These competitors don't know what to do with it. They can obviously figure out ways to minimize it or distract from it. And so as a consequence, to your point, I like the way you put it. She's definitely steady. She's definitely good. And she is definitely deserving of some good opportunities to see what she can do. But that last corner quite hasn't been rounded yet where she's got real aces in the hole to lord over her opponents. We shall see on Saturday. But I think to your point, BC, that's what's been somewhat missing, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Luke, would you call the the rest of this fight card sneaky? Um, I mean, when I look up and down it, I see some potential for that thing everyone's talking about. You know what that thing is? No. Hashtag Holy Hammer. Oh yeah. 
You know what I'm oh. saying? Our friends at Moneyline are looking to 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 identify, recognize, and award some of these uh, you know under the radar people that are coming on. There's a few potential hammers, brother, on this list. Am I wrong? Uh, all right. So, do you want to save uh, picks for Friday? Which, by the way, Friday we're going to have a special guest on the show again. Do you want to yeah, save let's, picks let's, for that? Absolutely. And I love right. special guests. Luke. So then, let's talk about the co-main event on this card: Neil Magny taking on uh, Daniel Rodriguez. Now, the odds on this one, I think, are actually pretty fair, and it tells you all you need to know about this matchup. It's a pick 'em, folks. They've got Neil Magny at about a minus one fifteen. Daniel Rodriguez at about a minus one oh five. It's a coin flip, BC. Is that fair or not? Yes, because at this point in his career at 35, who is Neil Magny? He's a he's the ultimate, and I say this with full respect, he's the ultimate gatekeeper in this division. Just got hammered out by Shavkat Rukmanov, but that's what your boy does. In between the losses, when he does step up above water, he'll get you two, three, four wins in a row. He'll sometimes beat guys who look like they're coming on, but he's that ultimate test. It's not that D-Rod is this bright young prospect. I mean, he's aging too, but with Daniel Rodriguez coming off of that lengthy layoff and, you know, got that close win last time out when they switched opponents. I didn't think he had won that fight, but he got the nod. He's moving forward. He wants to be active. He wants to be now because he knows it's Dan, it's D-Rod's time to figure out how good he can be. In that regard, you love this matchup. I'm a, I'm a, it's a little interesting to me that it's basically a pick that nobody's in the plus odds-wise at the moment. Because I, I look at, at their status of where they're at now. Does it not feel like D Rod's, you know, got the momentum that he's about to make a move? To make that move, you got to get by these tough Swiss Army knives like Neil Magny. But style for style here, Luke, I like D Rod coming into this one. I'm a little surprised that it's basically a pick'em. Well, here's the thing: it's like in general, Neil Magny has fought better opposition, right? You pointed out he lost to Rachmanov. Okay, no shame there. Rachmanov is Rachmanov. But then before that, he beat Max Griffin, and they had the win over Jeff Neal, which was a very good, tough win. He lost to Chiesa. He got out-wrestled, basically, and then he had the win over Lawler, although a very diminished version. So he doesn't have quite the win streak, but he's certainly been in there. He's been in five-round main events, right? He's been there against guys who we look like as potential title contenders. Um, and whether he's won or he's lost, he's just he understands what it's like to be up against them. Daniel Rodriguez hasn't quite done that. And I know what folks are saying. Well, did he really beat the leech? You know, it was all crazy. It was last minute. The leech was the one who had to give up the weight. It was 180 pounds, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then even then it was very close. I think I thought I had the leech winning that contest. Either way, you yeah, know, he just hasn't did. quite, he, yeah, he hasn't had that breakout moment yet exactly. But I do understand why the odds are close. D Daniel Rodriguez is a very good boxer, very good striker. He seems to be very well trained. He moves forward a lot. He's got, let's see, his overall takedown defense, 73% takedown accuracy such that he needs it. 55%. How about this? Strikes landed per minute, 7.75. I mean, massive, massive number. Now, he does eat a ton at 5.35. That tends to speak to his style and how it's a little bit more give and take, and there's a lot, a little bit more trading involved. I think Neil Magny likes to stick and move. He also has a positive differential, although much smaller on both strikes landed and absorbed. But it sort of speaks to what you're going to get with him. So it seems to me, BC, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me, one... Or two main factors I'm looking at in this one. The numbers speak to it pretty clearly. 2.31 strikes, excuse me, 2.3131 takedowns landed per 15 minutes for Neil Magny. I think he has to mix in the takedowns. I don't know if he can win an outright striking battle with uh, Rodriguez. He might be able to because he can be long and crafty, but in, in, assuming that that's not really going to be in play as the fight goes on, 
what does he do then? I think the takedown has to be a component of it. I think the other one is that for Neil Magny, BC, um, in addition to mixing that up, I think he's got to put a pace on Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah, right. Rodriguez doesn't mind a pace. I want to be clear about that. But that's the way you're going to force this guy into error, force him to making a mistake, which can then wrap up potentially into body lock or takedown opportunities. Okay, so here's the deal, though. We both thought the leech edged him out. It was a close. It didn't turn into an absolute war like we expected it to be. It was kind of technical in many ways. And D-Rod can do that. Won't Magny potentially pushing a pace, which is, again, what he does. He's got a phenomenal gas tank. Won't that bring out the best of D-Rod? That's why when I look at these odds, you know, I, I almost want, if, if, if I'm, you know, no one's going to ask me for consultation, right? No one's say, hey, BC, how do I win this fight? But, you know, if, if Daniel Rodriguez did, because he knows how much I love him, despite the our opposite opinions on the amount of tattoos we should have on our body, um, I'd tell him, you got to go after this guy. You got to make a statement. It's your time. You've been off. You've been away. It is your time. You got that win. So survive in advance, but come out gunslinging. If Magny pushes a pace, it's going to bring out the danger. It's going to bring out the best of D-Rod. This could be a big moment for him. This is, I mean, look, he's got a co-main event opportunity here. Like I mentioned, he wants to stay busy. He's, what, 35? I mean, he's got to go. This might be the opponent and the pace that brings out that beast in him, you know, collectively. Because if you try to play chess with Neil Magny, I think that's where you can get, you can get, you know, run around. Or if you try to come after him, but you don't have that technical base, he can sidestep you. He can do some things. He can take you down. If Magny's going to push a pace on D-Rod, he's going to find out what that what that area code on his chest is all about, Luke, you know, or that that year or whatever the hell. What what Luke, he's got aggressive tattoos, bro. I'm not saying yeah, they he, look bad. He they look uses cool. a lot of negative space on his tattoos as well, which is interesting. Uh I think the year on his uh body is I, I got to remember what what year is it? But what people are doing is they're taking old English lettering or certain types of it and then getting the year that they're born tattooed on them. Yeah, I it's 1986, which is the year he was born. Look, he's 35. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's what it has to Yeah, you can see 1996. There it is. Yeah, he Look at our, team. Space Look at our team on the fucking ball, Luke, right? Just reacting yeah. to us, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's good stuff. Yeah, but you can see, yeah. I mean, this is going to be a fun one. I, and by the way, BC, let me ask you this one. And the answer has to be Rodriguez, unless I'm missing something. If this were a five-round fight, you would like Magny's chances more. But it's a three-round yes. contest. So for that reason, I like Rodriguez's chances just a little bit more than I would if it were a five. Right. And anyone saying, well, holy crap, you guys, you guys shitting all over Magny. He's kind of technically the favorite here when you look at the odds. Well, again, Magny will expose you if you're not that guy. Right. I think we both believe D-Rod could be that guy. Right. And in the rankings, it's a, it's a, it's a wash. It's Magny at 13, uh, Rodriguez at 14. So it's not... It's not, a, it's not like these are vastly different positions. These are This will be an incremental win, frankly, in either direction. And then Kiesa is at 12, and then Masvidal at 11, and then Rachmanov at 10. So we're talking about a pretty big difference once you move on from there. These guys are well-matched. This is a well-matched yeah. fight. This is a great test. What does Neil Magny have left? Or conversely, how far is Daniel Rodriguez really going to go? Either way, you get a pretty decent answer about something relatively important inside the top 15 at 170 pounds. I really like this matchmaking. I like the way they go. This is one of those fights, BC, where you could see it going the distance and you wouldn't really mind it at all, um, You know, which is not the case for a lot of fights, but this one you, you get you get a pretty good feeling on. All right, so also on this card, BC, you said you liked all of the up-and-down Holy Hammer potentials. Chase Sherman taking on Josh Parisian. It's a heavyweight fight, not my favorite, if I could be Can honest. Can I ask you a question? Let's yeah. be honest here. And I give Chase Sherman a lot of credit for getting cut, bouncing back, coming back, and the vanilla gorilla entertained. So maybe that's going to ultimately be the answer to my question. But for a guy that's lost four of his last five, 
He's always in the damn co-main event or high up in some featured spot. Am I wrong? He bangs. He bangs, uh-huh. right? I mean, uh-huh. you can. What are you going to say? What are you going to say yeah. about Chase Sherman? Are you going to say his fights are boring? Um, no. Yeah, that's just no. very hard to say that. Either it's either kill or be killed. Now, I guess the fight against Orlovsky probably wasn't that great. Um, and not not everyone is all that great. But listen, against Jared Vandera, he wins in the third round via stoppage. He lost to Romanov in the first round via stoppage. He lost to Collier in the first round via stoppage. Had two decisions. He beat Ike Villanueva in the second round via stoppage. He fought Rashawn Jackson. This is all the way back in Island fights. He wins via stoppage. He had two fights before that, one via stoppage. He wins a lot. I mean, it's either either he, he goes out on the shield or someone else does, right? And I think for that reason, they kind of elevate his position. The results themselves, the winning and the losing, don't necessarily put him there, but that one certainly does. Um, elsewhere on the card, BC, I wonder if you, how you feel about this one. This is one that you, you mentioned one of the fights that shouldn't go unnoticed. How about Mark O. Madsen? No, he's not Irish. Uh, taking on Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson, 18-1-1, coming off of a win over Jared Gordon, which he won via stoppage in the third round. Now, Mark Madsen, a little bit longer in the tooth in terms of age. I believe he's 38 years of age. He has a win yes. over, over Vince Michelle from UFC 273, one of the very best Greco wrestlers out of Europe in his generation. BC, how do you size this up? I love this fight because it is time for Marco Madsen. We we know his age and his situation coming over from that great re- amateur wrestling career. He's 4-0 since making that UFC debut three years ago. But look, I think you would agree there's been some questionable cardio moments. There's been some on-the-fly adjustments that are natural when you're making a transition from a singular discipline of martial arts to go for at the highest level in the UFC. This is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, his toughest test to date. This is where we're going to find out exactly which direction he's headed obviously if he can take control of the fight he can be dominant but we've seen when people can get him into scraps a lot of a lot of you know firefights he gasses gasses. yeah straight up he gasses so grant dawson can can bang luke i I like this fight to tell us so it's like you know what what is my analysis as who's going to win i'm not really sure because i've liked madsen on this journey but I don't know if he's really going to fully put it together. This would be the fight as a plus 185 underdog against the minus 215 Grant Dawson that that we're going to find out exactly who he is and where he's at at this point. But uh, there's a lot to like with him. He seems to be tough as nails. Obviously, he has you know, d- dramatic control on the ground when he can get you there. How good is Grant Dawson in your eyes, Luke? Very good. Out of uh, glory, MMA, and fitness. I have a lot of respect for Grant Dawson's game. Seems like he's coming around. By the way, one of these resumes... That's a little bit of a sleeper resume. Not not in the sense that we already know him. his record is good, 18-1-1. One, one. I don't mean that. What I mean to say is like you've got fights on his record where you're like, huh, that, that actually ages well. The Jared Gordon one, now that was recent. But then he's got Leonardo Santos, Derek Minner, who's also on this card, Julian Erosa. Dude, he had some tough fights early on in his, or I should say midway through his journey here, and he answered them in large part. Like, yeah, he, he and he had the draw against uh, Rick Glenn, I think. So, and uh, half of his... Half of his UFC fights, including the Contender Series, have been won by submission, Luke. So let's not yeah. sleep on that he's, part. Of he's it. very, very well-trained, good scrambler, good cardio, pushes a pace. You really got to like him. Mark Matson, a very physical athlete, right, especially with those body locks, which you can well imagine from Greco, has a big punch on occasion. But I think in the last fight against Pichelle, who, by the way, is like very underrated tough, um, yeah. he just his cardio was kind of waning. Now, we mentioned it. Here's another good one. Tagir Ulanbakov taking on Nate Maness. Nate Maness, a very good grappler. Ulanbakov coming off of that weird loss at UFC 272 to Tim Elliott. I thought he, I thought, um, I thought, I think I thought he won that contest. I have to go back and look, but I believe this was the contest where he was 
Elliot admitted to grabbing his glove, and then after it was over, he's like, yo, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Either the ref is going to penalize me or he's not. Go fuck yourself. And I was kind of like, yeah, he's right. He's kind of right. Like, they're, either they're going to do their job or they're not. And if they're not, fuck you. So It means he's uh, trying, Luke. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. But he's a very good grappler himself. You saw that in the Nascimento fight at UFC 267 as well. Um, this is a very, very fun contest. Now, Nate Maness, 13-2, and two, coming into this contest off a loss over Umar Nurmagomedov, and he got housed. It wasn't even close. But he does have some other good wins, for example, against Tony Gravely and some other good folks. Um, tough tough contest. This is a well-matched one. I think Ulambakov, what do they have him here in the odds? Yeah, they got about a minus 215 favorite, Nate Maness at plus 185. That sounds about right to me. I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, yeah, also not, on this card, BC, Miranda Maverick. She's yes. the biggest favorite on this motherfucker, right? How about it's like this? A six to one, six to one betting favorite. Yeah, here. minus six ten versus Shana or Shanna Young. I don't know how you pronounce her name correctly. Uh, at a at, what is she at a plus four sixty BC? Now listen, you know I've been high on Miranda Maverick. I think very highly of her game. Her records at ten and four, which doesn't really speak to actually how good she is, because she had the two tough fights against Macy Barber, which I thought she won. She did lose to Aaron Agreed. Blanchfield outright. And then she went in there and just whooped up on Sabina Mazo. What are you expecting from this contest? I mean, I, I expect what, what the odds are telling you. It should be the potential for domination from Miranda Maverick, who could use more momentum, right? As you mentioned, ended that two-fight losing skid, got the win last time out, even if we thought she had beaten Barber. But that loss to Aaron Blanchfield was straight up, you know, consistent across three rounds in your face. But at this point, look, I'd like to see a rematch Blanchfield one day. But but in terms of this fight and where we're at right here, I'm still a believer in, in Miranda Maverick. Every fighter is going to have some of those young hiccups. And by the way, she had two hiccups in, in Invicta on her original rise up to this point in the UFC. She's always in phenomenal shape. You know what she can do on the ground, but her striking is coming around too, Luke. I, I look at her as an unfinished product who's putting it all together, who still has big potential in this division to be something I don't know if I necessarily get the matchmaking here and her being this big of a favorite. I don't know if anyone fell out or what the so situation was. So this is a was. rematch. That's why. It's a rematch from Invicta, where Maverick won in the first round via rear naked choke, I believe. Um, she certainly finished her off in the first round. I have to go back and double check the method. So I'm wondering it if that was It was an exhibition. It. Yeah. So yeah, because it, it was part of, a, I think a part of a one-night tournament, I think, is the reason. It was. It technically goes down as an exhibition. It was part of that flyweight tournament that they were putting out back in 2019. But yeah, Luke, uh, I interesting. I, you know, I mean, Shannon Young isn't isn't coming in with a ton of momentum at the moment either. So no, but maybe it's one of these situations where you just don't know like who they actually offered a fight to, and then everyone said no, but then they want to stay busy, so they just take a fight. And you're like, how does the matchmaking make sense here? And in many ways, it doesn't. Other than it's just what the matchmakers could come up with based on who says yes and no. Always remember that. Um, also on this card, Benito Lopez, who's actually a major underdog, but he's only, I think he's got a 10-1 record against Mario Bautista. How about the the BC special, Pollyanna Viana taking on Jin Yu Frey? I never know how to pronounce it. Jin Yu Frey, Jin Yu Frey, um, whatever the case is. I mean, there, can we there. call this, a, a, this? I don't know if this is the super sloppy special here, Luke. I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think that's a right. We need another term for it. Just the uh, BC pants off Instagram one. Two, two chicks, one fight? Is that what we're calling it, Luke? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, anything there else on the card tickle your fancy? Uh, no. So, you know, maybe it's more top end in terms of uh, some sneaky good stuff there. But it's a fight night card. It is what it is, Luke. All right. Enjoy. Uh, yes, night. it is. I want to make sure we have the right time for this. So that card, by the way, will start as I look here. I think the main card starts at 7 p.m. Yes, and the prelims will start at 4 p.m. in the East. So early start for these ones. 
um, for folks out there. By the way, it's going to go head-to-head with BCNLT doing commentary for boxing, so we'll see how that goes. All right, BC. We'll see who gets Let's... more ratings, Luke. Yes, we'll see. Us or the UFC. We'll, we'll see. Uh, by the way, as you indicated, one of these guys could be Hammer of the Month here. Holy Hammer. All right, topic number two, BC. And I'm telling you, folks, BC converted me, and then in research for this fight, I was like, ooh, this one is good. This is the one where you talk to, like, the boxing heads, and they're the ones, like, rubbing their hands like they're Gargamel, ready to catch some Smurfs. That's how good this one is. Dimitri Bivol, fresh off a win over Canelo Alvarez, takes on Zurdo, which means, like, southpaw left-handed, Gilberto Ramirez. Gilberto Ramirez is basically this one. It's going to be for the 175 pounds. It'll be in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. They've got Bivol, BC, at a minus 400 Ramirez at a plus 290. Now, for boxing odds, that's, that's not good. far yeah. apart. BC, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. My understanding is when you look at Ramirez on tape, he wows you. He looks like he can do a lot. He moved, you would be surprised because he moved up to this weight class. He wasn't always at 175, but it looks like he's filled out very well at 175. The knock on Ramirez, unlike for Bivol, is that he hasn't had a real super elite name on his resume, and so you don't exactly know how good he is. Is that a fair assessment of this contest? A little bit. So here's the deal. He did. He he won a world title at 168 pounds. He's aggressive. He's 44 and old, by the way. 31 years old from Mexico. There was a time that he was, you know, highly promoted. Uh, he was with Top Rank, and and then he kind of went broke free and went his own way. It's not that he hasn't beaten anyone. He's got a good knockout of Sullivan Barrera. He beat Unieski Gonzalez, who we're going to call his fight on Saturday. You know, uh, he's got a couple strong wins there. But good win over Jesse Hart as well at 168. He's moved up to 175. He's been trying hard to get into the title picture. He signed up with Golden Boy. Oscar De La Hoya promised him, I'll make you the mandatory for a world title. I'll get you your shot. He kept winning, and here we are. He's a southpaw who's aggressive. He's got good power. The knock on him on his way up was sometimes he can be a a little bit too brawling for, for a guy with skills. He leaves that chin out there a little bit too much. He's worked on that a bit. Here's why this matchup, though, was so interesting, because Bivol is the ultimate technician. He was the perfect kryptonite for Canelo trying to move up and dare to be great because he's so solid and steady with that European amateur system background, can jab you to death, can let his hands go. Look, if Bivol didn't stand in there and let his right hand go consistently against Canelo, he wouldn't have won that fight, and he did that. But Zerto Ramirez is sort of this, it's like, you can watch all of his fights and still not really be sure how good he is. Does he have that next level gear that he's going to need against Bivol? If Bivol can control you, he'll win it boring. He'll totally do that. It's up to Zerto to push this pace, but he has that ability. He's got a good punch with that left hand. He's aggressive and he goes after it. He's been building for years for this type of moment, this type of matchup. And the reason why it's huge is not only are you fighting for Bivol's WBA title here at 175 pounds, but we're all waiting to make an undisputed fight with Archer Betterbeev, who's got the other three belts. He stopped Joe Smith to, to, to further unify the three titles. That's next for Bivol. That's one of the biggest fights you can make in the sport, not commercially, but certainly in terms of stakes and unbeaten fighters. Well, how about this test that Bivol has to pass to get to that? Or maybe this test is Zerto Ramirez's breakthrough opportunity to also get to that. Bivol and Ramirez are both undefeated. This is a hella good under-the-radar fight. It's going to be on zone, as we mentioned, Todd Grisham on the call. But Luke, I want to see if Gilberto Ramirez can go for it, can go after it. This is obviously not the thing you always want to do against Bivol, who's such a chess player. But if you play chess with the chess master, you're going to get handled. This is what Bivol does. 
I got to see Gilberto Ramirez find that Mexican spirit and go after it. Luke, he's 44 and 0. Hmm. He, he, and, no one and, talks and by about the way, him. And by the way, since 2019, Alfonso Lopez, TKO. Sullivan Barrera, KO. Unieski Gonzalez, KO. TKO, excuse me. Dominic, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Bussell, KO. Yes. My man is on a hot streak. Now, let me ask you about that, though. What, given that we are admitting that his resume is long but doesn't have that super elite name on it, what would you say is his best win? The Sullivan Barrera win? Is that the best win? Yeah. I mean, the two fights with Jesse Hart, who at one point was a was a 168-pound contender, they had two fights that were wars. He won a decision, and both of those, the second one, a majority decision in 2018. Uh, for that division, that was probably the furthest he got. He's fought bigger names at 175, although Sullivan Barrera at that time did have three defeats. Unieski Gonzalez had three defeats. They were strong, sturdy names, though, for that division. Your point is correct. He hasn't fought or beaten anybody on the level of B-Vol. Doesn't mean he hasn't fought anybody. He's just consistently fought sort of that second tier. Look, Top Rank was working hard. Uh, I don't know what the fallout was, why they, why they broke off. He went his own way. He had some trouble trying to do his own thing. Golden Boy's got him now. This is that opportunity to show how great you can be. Like we said, you can't fully judge against some of these other guys. This is the ultimate test for him. And look, I got I got to see that Machi. I got to see that 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 Zerto come out of him. Okay? I got to see that that action, press the pace and make it happen. This could be very interesting theater come Saturday. The is the idea that he even though he has the win against Arthur uh, Abraham is the is the idea that it won that was at 168. I believe that was at 168. Um and then the other one was that you know he was kind of long in the tooth by the time he fought Ramirez. Is that is that the argument there? Oh shit! I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I completely forgot that he fought Arthur Abraham. Yeah, Abraham by 2016 was long in the tooth. That was a unanimous decision. So that that's the best name, name. without question yeah. on his. You know, he also beat Maxime Vlasov. So he's look. He's got some he's got some decent wins across the way. Doesn't have great ones. But he's at a point now where he's 44-0. He got in the mandatory line. He beat the guys he had to do. And to your point, at 175, he's been knocking fools out. Um, I want to see this, man. I want to see this bad. So I got a chance to catch up with him a couple weeks back ahead of this fight. He's worked hard on his English, and he's coming around. Uh, here's Gilberto Zerto Ramirez talking about the challenge of Dimitri Bivol come Saturday. Be a technician, Gilberto. We know this. He's an excellent boxer. Do you think if this fight turns into more of a fight, that you, Zerto, will have the advantage. Yeah, of course, uh, I will have the advantage for in this fight. And we both know that it will be a, a hard fight for him. But I'm just uh, excited to get the bell and be in Abu Dhabi November 5th with, uh, with all fans and, and with the whole people. Now, look, make no mistake, he can box. Zerto Ramirez can box. But he's going to have to balance both to really have an effect on the echo that's in my ear and Dimitri Bill. There we go. There we go. We're back. All right. Um, uh, but Luke, you know, here's what's interesting. There's no, like, hard rule record. Like, we always lionize. Is that lionize a, a, a good thing? That means we, we push up, right? We, 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 we celebrate, right? Lionize? Uh, yeah. I think it means to make popular. Let me double check. All right. Let me take that out of my dictionary moving forward. Uh, Luke, we always celebrate Rocky Marciano's 49-0, even though it's not like a yeah, record. Give a lot it's of like, public attention and approval to someone. Treat as a celebrity. Uh, yeah, it, it, It's it's a uh, mythical sort of record, meaning that, like, you know, 
Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. was like 89-0 and at one point before he finally lost to Frankie Randall. And, you know, let's not forget that Sugar Ray Robinson in his prime was something absurd, like 118-1 and at one point. But we look back at, you know, 49-0 and Rocky Marciano, and obviously Floyd took that to 50-0 and when he beat McGregor. And, you know, Joe Calzaghe retired at 46-0. and And look, there was this stretch, by the way, for about 20 years that anyone who was approaching that Rocky Marciano, except for Floyd, who beat it, you know, mythical record, they would lose at 48-0, like Larry Holmes against Michael Spinks, like Paul Spatafora. Like, there was a stretch of guys where you're like, are they going to get there? No, they didn't get there. It was like Rocky coming out of the grave to prevent that. What would it mean if, I mean, Ramirez is going to have to beat Bivol here, and he's probably then going to have to beat better Beav. What do we do with his 44-0, though? Like, again, we're saying he hasn't beaten all killers, but he has not faced bombs. He's faced... Ranked guys in his division across the way, former champions in Abraham, like we mentioned. Sullivan Barreras, no chomp. That's a good win. Like, if he starts approaching that, do we have to take that super seriously historically? Like, that's like you don't see that every day that guys get up to this level 44-0, right? I don't know what it means. Because I came to the Ramirez party a little bit late. Uh, you have been paying attention to his career much longer than I have, and so I want to be sort of candid with that with the audience. What I have seen from him has been super impressive. You see this sometimes, BC. You see these guys take a real kind of like circuitous path to legitimacy, and then it happens all at once, and you're like, oh, right, we should have seen the writing on the wall based on how good he looked up to this point. Or you get the more cynical view, which is like, right, he's 44-0 for a reason. And by the way, apparently he wants to tie Floyd's 50. Now you, now you can compare, if he gets to it, Floyd's 50-0 versus Ramirez's 50-0. I don't think they would be equivalent, but well, nevertheless, you think they would be equivalent? The point is, if he gets there... It probably would have had to have beaten Bivol and Better Beef to do it, right? Okay, but dude, like Floyd's resume is, I mean, you can hate oh, Floyd, his resume is fucking Floyd. awesome. I'm I mean, not saying you best Floyd. He can go 78, you know, and he's not going to yeah. best Floyd. Okay? okay, but I'm just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying like resume for resume that, it, yes, if he beat, let me say this, if he beat Bivol and then Better Beef, and then maybe by the way, Canelo comes back up and he, and it's Mexican versus Mexican, oh, and who the fuck knows yes. then? That'd be a, nothing but a gangster's party there. Fine. Yeah. It still and wouldn't to touch the, Floyd. And he doesn't have a history of ducking guys. When he was with top rank at 168, he's fighting the, who he had, who was available to him at that point. The biggest super middleweights in the world were with other promoters. And obviously, look, but you know, if he if he's going to win this and then fight better, Beaver, we're again probably going to have to get multiple promoters and multiple networks together. Which Spence Crawford is not always easy, Luke. But let's hear what Gilberto has to say about what he believes this unbeaten record means to him at this point. In this fight, you'll be 45 and 0. You know, in boxing, people love to revere. 49 and 0 Rocky Marciano, 50 and 0 Floyd Mayweather, even Joe Calzaghe was 46 and 0. People love the idea of that. Oh, the zero. How <laughs> far do you think you can take this unbeaten streak? I, I will win for sure this this match and November 5th, and it will be a, a, a exciting and and for me it's a, a motivated to to keep a. 45 and 0, and to be a beat the the Floyd record too, and be undefeated. I mean, if you get to 50 and 0, 51 and 0, do you think people will start to talk about you as an all-time great fighter? Yeah, of course. Does 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 people that will do? I'm looking. I'm looking forward. Look, you know what I'd secretly like Zerto to do. Pull out of this fight, pull out of this fight on Saturday, set up shop down in like a Tijuana bar 
and just beat as many cab drivers in a row as he can until he gets like 100 and 0 and then just walk off and give the DX chop. You know, what do you think about that idea? Well, the no? first thing you could do is call it Tijuana, not Tijuana. Uh, that'd be the first thing that you could do. But after that, Look, that'd be great. So moving forward, just so you know, I speak two languages. English and Gringo, and that's the only two I'm going to be speaking from here on in, out. Okay, in, fa Luke? in fairness, BC, those are the only two languages I speak as well. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you, Alexa. My, my, my Gringo you. is slightly better than yours, but not really, not by much. Just very marginally. Look, it's. I mean, again, if he beats Beavall and then better Beav, it's going to mean a lot more. I do give him credit, though. I mean, you got to, you know, you beat for anybody 44 times in a row. You've made a good career. This is his big up opportunity. Dude, this is a good-ass fight. So, Luke, the only thing about Bivol is he can be too safe at times, right? Like, But he stepped out of character, maybe because he was the bigger man, and he took the fight to Canelo. You've seen Bivol enough to kind of get a feel for him. You think he can win with this stick-and-move jab, you know, uh, chest style this whole way? Dude, he's crafty. Jesus, he's crafty. And, you know, here's the other part, too. It's like Ramirez, to me least of late from the tape I've seen, been a little bit more offensively minded. He's got great setups to cut distance. He's got good body attacks. He's got, dude, fucking Ramirez has phenomenal body attacks. And I got to say, I do think that's the one thing on tape that I'm not going to say Bivol is bad at, but that's not where he necessarily excels is like defense to the body. Um, so there's ways Ramirez can do this, but fucking Bivol, man, he is real crafty. He changes up rhythm. He's good about distance. He's disciplined for the most part, about his about his defense. Like, it's just really hard to get that guy to make a mistake. And I think Zerto's going to have to really, really go in there and mix it up with him and force that out of him. So for that reason, I understand why the odds favor Bivol. But like most people, again, and I'm late to the party on this, again, to be totally transparent with the audience, but from what I can tell, it seems like Ramirez is going is to do that. He's going to absolutely go heavy on the body work, heavy on the pressure, and it's going to be up to Bivol to resist that. I tend to think this is going to be back and forth. And honestly, BC, this fight to me is going to be one in the last third of the fight, right? The last yes. third, rounds 9 through 12. That's really what's going to decide this because you're going to get some guys having momentum in other parts where if you're Bivol, you have to make sure you have enough output. And if you're Ramirez, that you're not walking into too many traps. But that really is kind of where the central tension lies. No question about it. And if Bivol can't hurt him, Right. We, I mean, has, has Zerto been right. chinning? Not really. No. I mean, he's never lost. You know, there's been times that, like I said, at 168, we had fears that he might get caught by a big puncher one day. But, you know, if Bivol can't hurt him, the second half of this fight could get very interesting. Did you see on the undercard, Luke, it almost fooled me. There's a boxer named Shavkat Zan Rakimov. That's almost your guy. It's almost, I, I right? Did. Shavkat Zan Rakimov. Almost similar to Dovlitz Dan Yagshimura. No, no, almost, almost Shavkat Rachmanov. It's, it's close. It's just like you know, it's like it's a, it's ding, a mix ding, ding, between Shavkat Rachmanov and Dovlitz Dan Yagshimura. Dov. There it uh, is. There okay. it is. Uh, also, BC. I don't know if I stated this at the top. This will air on DAZN. This will air on DAZN. Yeah. It'll be in the afternoon by virtue of the fact that it's on in uh, Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. Okay, should be a fun fight. We'll talk more about that on Friday. BC, let's go back to some UFC stuff, which I find this story to be actually quite fascinating because poor Aljamain Sterling, every time he builds up some like uh, <laughs> fan favor, he then uh, elects to to kind of dump on it a little bit. Now, I, I want to be clear about this. Here's what happened. So he wins at UFC 280, and here's what the fans saw. The fans saw a guy in Sterling in phenomenal condition 
go out there and just beat the shit out of TJ Dillashaw for however long it lasted. We all know the story about Dillashaw being horribly injured going into it. But it wasn't like a guy like Aljamain Sterling took a ton of damage in the fight. He took virtually nothing. I'm not even sure if he had a punch landed on him. He didn't resist any uh, offense. It was just how much work could you do from the back and mount. So it's over. He does a little bit of media. And then this week, he comes out and says, yeah, I'm not going to fight until June. BC, before we go to you on this, we have a video about it. I'd like to play the video, and then I want to get your reaction if I can. Let's roll the video. Is this thing on? Oh. Okay, so this is a message to all my bandwaits out there. For all the people that actually been in a five-round fight, you know how intense those five-round training camps are. Especially mine, because I go hard in the paint. Henry, you should know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been through these five-round camps, but you've been on the sidelines for two and a half years. So I have no problem fighting you, Henry. I just want the biggest fight. And if that's you, then step up to the plate. If you want to wait for your boy, you can wait. If not, go take another fight and kick rocks. Um, Cheeto, Sanhagen, Sean O'Malley, whatever. Any one of you guys, man, if you want to wait for me, give me some time to let my body heal. It's not easy for me to make 135. And again, these five-round training camps are not these three-round fights where people make these quick turnarounds. That's why champions don't typically fight more than one time a year. Two if they're lucky. So I fought twice already. Give me a little bit of time, and I'll come back and kick everybody's ass. Let's go. Funk out. Your reaction. Wow. Remember that song by Extreme? If you don't like what you see here, get the funk out. Okay. I guess I was alone in 1991. Yeah. It's off of that pornography album. Okay. Anyway, back to this, Luke. Um, Here's the deal. Is that a fair statement from Aljo? Five-round camps are, you know, hard and arduous, and he just went through another one. Yes. If Aljo had more money in the bank from the standpoint of, of his accomplishments as champion and his recent track record, it wouldn't be ridiculous to say, look, I've been running hot and hard. Instead of fighting maybe Cejudo in February, can we just push it back, you know, three more months to or, or four more months to June? Maybe. But this is not the situation Aljo's in. The situation Aljo's in is he's a top currently the deepest division in the sport and arguably of all time, as much as people hate when we constantly put that tag on it, it's just where it's at. And to your earlier point of him, whether it's his fault or not, can't really get out of his own way. Look, he won the title by DQ. Not his fault, but the way things played out afterwards, he kind of became a villain. And then he was out a long time before we finally got that rematch, which held up the division. Then TJ Dillashaw got hurt after earning a number one contender spot, more or less, and that held up the division further. And even though Aljo, I give him so much credit for turning the narrative back around by beating Jan in their rematch, it was also a split decision, and there are Jan truthers. I don't agree with that, but there are, meaning it wasn't some dominant clear win. And then, also not his fault once more, he finally goes to fight TJ, and we saw what happened. The shoulder popped out instantly. It, it wasn't a fight. Luke, he doesn't have, you know, it's not like Nganu. When is, you know, it's not like it's not like that, you know? It, like, it, it, his knee didn't fall apart. I don't think he has the, the leverage right now to make this kind of demand when this division is already so hot. I mean, I, you know, Sean O'Malley just beat Jan. Someone, you know, fair, not, I want to say fair and square. It was disputed, right? But he, but he won the fight. This is a deep, loaded division that has already been bottlenecked. We kind of need some clarity. Cejudo might parachute in, as Ariel reported, and others, that this is what UFC is trying to target. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, they, I mean, UFC doesn't give leverage like this to guys unless they're super accomplished. Remember when Nganu finally beat Stipe and he became the champion? And then the UFC was like, fuck you, you can't come back in three months? All right, we're putting an interim title out there and we're going to shit talk you for the rest of the time because, you know, you want to fight in five months instead of three. I, I don't see how this is going to work in his favor. I mean, you know, would the UFC strip him? No, it doesn't deserve to be stripped. No. The most likely scenario is they probably just put an interim title on the line and we see O'Malley step up and fight for it. But is this a good look? Is this a continuation of great PR for, for Aljo, whether it's his fault or not? No, it's a continuation of him kind of looking like a somewhat of a trolling villain. It's not all fair, but that's the reality. Look, I'm not like, does he have a major injury that's keeping him out right now? It doesn't seem like he does. He's banged up. I, I can well, respect that. But I mean, you're always banged up at this level. Okay, but here's the thing if you're Aljo. Right now, if I were his PR representative, I probably would have had him package the message a little bit differently to make it more palatable. But you got to back up a second here, and you got to understand Aljamain's position. So you have finally ascended to the very top of this division. You had what is technical, well, more than your first title defense, but you had your first what was supposed to be real title defense. It fell apart in the sense that n nothing he did was wrong. Everything he did was right. He took the fight and, you know, it was what it was, but that's not on Aljo. But, you know, you are now fight after fight. You're going to be facing either the very next toughest guy or someone in approximately in that level. This is the peak of your earning potential. This is the peak of your of your leveraging powers, whatever they may be. You, if you're Aljamain Sterling, you're saying to yourself, I think from what he's saying, I cannot go into these fights fucked up. I cannot. I, I, don't, I don't have the luxury. This is it. This is the moment in my career, to make maximum money for, against the maximally tough guys on the biggest cards that the UFC can hold or something like that, right? I cannot go into these fucked up. And if you've had a five-round camp, I mean, I, I realize that the problem is the fans see what happened in the fight, which was basically nothing to him. And they're like, oh, you should be fine. But you have no idea, dude. That neck injury kept him out for a long time. You just have no idea what injuries he's dealing with. He didn't disclose them. I kind of feel like he should have. If I was his PR rep, I kind of feel like he should have disclosed a little bit more of that to help folks understand. But I get Aljamain's position. However, however, we should also acknowledge that while I fully understand why he's doing what he's doing, I just don't think the UFC is necessarily going to be all that accommodating. I think this kind of de declaration is almost certain to put a interim title in play. I, I just feel like they're going to do that. Now, they might not. It seems like there's some possibilities around that. But it seems like they're probably going to, especially if Cejudo gets back involved or Sean O'Malley gets back involved or is in a title picture one way or the other. So, like, while I'm very sympathetic to Aljamain Sterling's position, I think people just don't have really any clue what these guys go through to get ready for five-round fights. And I know you've said, oh, I saw X fighter do it. I saw Y fighter do it. Right, but that doesn't mean they weren't dealing with injuries. And you, how many fighters have we seen go through with fights when they were fucked up and then the fights themselves were a disaster? Hello, TJ Dillashaw just did that. They'll do it all the time. He wants to give himself the best opportunity to give himself a chance to win to hold on to this position. But the UFC is built on turnover, turning over events, getting fights made, moving the trains out of the station on time. That's what they're about. And if you don't facilitate that, 
They'll just go around you. And I tend to think what you're going to get here is one way or the other, sooner or later, you're probably going to get an interim title fight out of this. With who? I don't know. But that's what I think is we're headed next. Okay, you're right. Aljo's really not doing much wrong here. And again, some of those things like the DQ and and the TJ getting hurt, it's not his fault. But, you know, PR-wise, you know, saying champions are lucky, you know, they fight once a year, lucky to fight two. No, in, in boxing, maybe. That's, that's sometimes our biggest problem. Fighters don't fight enough. The highest level of the UFC, Luke, they, they tend to fight fairly often. Am I wrong? Well, let's spin it back because you kind of said something very interesting, which was Aljo's not doing anything wrong. I think in terms of preserving his interests, I don't think he's doing anything wrong. In terms of his messaging to the public, I think he probably could have done it a little bit differently. I, I would okay. have been like, listen, here's the reality. I've got these things that are affecting me. I can't. I don't, I don't trust my ability to compete favorably to you guys. What I don't want to do is what Dillashaw did uh, against me. I don't want to cheat my opponents. I don't want to cheat the sport. I don't want to cheat the fans. I understand that this is frustrating. I want to get be- better as soon as I possibly can. It's just I can't make the kind of turnaround that folks expect. I don't think there'd be a, a welcoming message to that necessarily, but I don't think you'd see the, 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 the harsh reaction that was greeted to this message. Would you well, agree or am I overstating it? You're right. It's just again, like I don't know if he has that that leverage to 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 demand this. And, and you know, the division is is dude, this is the best division in the game. It, so I mean, look, if, if they put an interim title on the line and he's allowed to wait until June, then then he wins and it works, right? And are, is there an overflowing of names you can do? I mean, look, look, if they did, here's a matchup. I don't think a single person has talked about. Could you do so? Hudo versus Charlotte Malley for the interim title in like February? You sure could. You I sure mean that could. that okay. So the reality is that fixes that, and maybe I'm being a dick, but I guarantee you there's going to be a conversation with Dana and Aljo on the phone that's going to sound a lot like one of the best movie quotes that I can bring up. Do you remember that 1993 college football cinematic classic called The Program, Luke? You remember that great? Yes, movie? yes. When they remember laid Jay- down in the road? <laughs> yes, which I saw opening night before they pulled that scene out of the flick. By the way, I saw that opening night. And my football team, Nogtic High School, was in the theater in Waterbury, and so was Crosby High. And they got into a brawl in the theater while the while the shit was going on on the screen. Sold out. It was great. Uh, James Kahn, the you know the one of the all time greatest. Luke, uh, you remember he looked at that running back that got Omar Epps that got nailed, and he goes, "Are you hurt or are you injured?" Because there is a difference, Luke. Right. Are we, are, we, are we really going to do this bit where we're policing Aljamain Sterling's uh, toughness? No, really? I'm not saying that's coming from me. I'm saying I guarantee you that's going to be a call he has with the UFC. Oh, anyway, the larger point is um, if they make something like Cejudo versus O'Malley, dude, that's a fucking event, right? I mean, that's a great-ass fight. So this, this I'm is probably why I think the UFC is going to be like, this is why I think the UFC is going to look at what Aljamain did, and they're going to be like, okay, fine. We're just going to move on with the division. Like, you can do what you got to do. They're not going to strip him because he, he obviously is intending to come back. And June is, it's the end of second quarter, which is late, but not the end of the world per se. But I think they're just going to be unsympathetic to it. As it, it. This is ultimately the reality. It's like, what would you want with a message like that? You would want to give some transparency to the rest of the division, which he did. He did. I'm going to be out for X amount of time. You got that. And you would want some kind of understanding of your situation. I don't think he, he necessarily got that with it. However, BC... This could all prove to be for naught because let's let's bring up your point here. Imagine UFC does, in fact, make a Sean O'Malley versus Henry Cejudo interim title fight. I don't know that they will, but let's assume for the sake of conversation that they do. 
whoever wins that, once you unify the belts, that's going to make the fight even fucking bigger. It's going to, if yeah. Cejudo walks in there with another belt or Sean O fucking Malley walks in there with a belt, the whole, they're going to, they're going to challenge his legitimacy for, for Sterling. They're going to challenge everything about it. It's going to make it even bigger. They're going to make him the villain, by the way. They're going to present themselves as the saviors of the division, whether any of that is true or not. So like on the one hand, we're sitting there hand wringing about his message. On the other hand, it may not make a difference. They're going to make an interim title. I doubt Sterling cares, but it makes the whole thing bigger in the end anyway. And just to be fair on 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 pot and kettle here, like this is kind of what Alexander Usyk just did, right? Saying I got a couple of nagging injuries. I know I just beat Joshua a second time. We all want me to fight Fury. Can we push that out until March? And you know, we all know what happened. Fury has this seemingly unnecessary Chisora fight first. So I'm again, I'm not trying to say Aljo is wrong here. I just think optics. It doesn't look great. UFC is a different setup than boxing. And do you think this f's? sterling anyway in terms of leverage with the company because you know the company doesn't look at this and go oh yeah no problem go for it tell us when you're going to be ready they're they're going to be like fuck you business goes on does this hurt him in the long run does he lose negotiation leverage with this hard to say i mean you're right like the the ufc is like these trains are all leaving the tracks at these times either you're going to get on it or you're not going to get on it and if you're not going to get on it you're just going to get left behind whether or not that is fair whether or not that's how they should do it that is how they do it I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine that they love it, but at the same time, it's not like they don't have some options. Bantamweight is hot. Everyone else besides Sterling, or I shouldn't say everyone else, but there are other names anyway outside of Sterling that are hot. Cheeto's hot. Corey Sandhagen had a nice win to come back as he did. Obviously, okay, Sean so O'Malley's doing things. Henry Hudo. Can I interrupt By the way, you? we have a response from Cejudo. Well, before you get to Cejudo, I just want to ask you this, okay? I just threw out Cejudo and O'Malley kind of like on the fly, and I was like, damn, that'd be great. Is it in reality, though, because Cejudo also has to, like, get in a camp and get back and all that. And I know he's been in the drug testing pool. Is is Marlon Vera versus O'Malley part two the actual better fight that accomplishes everything? Hard to know if it's better because we don't know what we're going to get from Cejudo. But that's a damn good fight. A damn good fight. I think It keeps I everybody think, happy, right? I mean, it really yeah. keeps everybody happy. I, I scored the fight for Jan over O'Malley, but I thought O'Malley performed very well and clearly showed he was high-level guy. Um, and again, you can make a case for him that he, he won independent of whether or not the judges uh, agreed one way or the other. So I really thought pretty highly of what he did. And I think a second fight, I mean, we, we said it before, dude, Chito Vera is the king of the five-rounders, and that would be a five-round contest if it was for an interim belt. I fucking love it. There's nothing to we, dislike about that. Are we once again just shitting on Marab by not bringing him in here into this conversation? Because the hiccup sort in him of. getting a title shot is his teammate. Well, his teammates hurt. They're not going to put him in an interim title fight to potentially then have to fight his teammate, right? Unless they want to F Algie. They might. Unless they're James Kahn saying, are you, are you injured yeah. or you're hurt? Uh, oh, you, I, you're, I, both guys have to really hold the line. And in the case of Fitch and Koscheck, it worked because neither was the belt holder. Right, they were all chasing GSP, and so there was just different opportunities to get ahead. This is different because one guy is holding the belt, and so as a consequence, yeah. you kind of have to like really sublim, you know, uh, sublimate your own interests for someone else's. I tend to think that only works for a time, but at the same time, BC, here's just the reality: the win over Aldo was legitimate in a way. It was certainly, the judges agreed, but it was hardly inspiring. Dude, you could do just the four names I picked, Sanhagen, Cheeto, O'Malley, and Cejudo. Any combination of those is fucking awesome. Any combination of them is awesome. Sanhagen, you couldn't put right away in a title fight. I don't think that would work. But all the other variations, all the other three guys you could put in a title fight or an interim title fight, and it would be great. So, dude, it's not like the UFC doesn't have options. 
at 35. They got a lot of ways they can make this work, which also, by the way, to defend Sterling a little bit more, maybe he looked at it and I was like, dude, these guys have got to figure it out. I'm going to take my time while they do. And maybe he just said that's worth it to me. You know, I can understand that as well. But what, here's what's going to happen, by the way. And you know this too, BC. What's going to happen is that he's going to fight the winner of whoever is ready for him by the time he comes back. He may, he may win, certainly. But let's posit a scenario where Sterling waits this long, comes back, and loses. Dude, the fans are going to assault him for it. Whether or not they're right. Like it, you, This whole idea is not that taking your time off guarantees your chances. Taking time off just gives you the very best chance that you have. And that's what Sterling appears to be reaching for here, quite understandably. Peak of his powers. This is the most money he's ever going to earn in the most high-profile fights he's ever going to be in. This is the time to make it all count. So you want to make sure you're healthy. But if it doesn't work out that way, he'll be assassinated for it, even though that isn't necessarily what he's trying to do. He's not trying to guarantee a win, just give himself the best chance. Like William McKinley, right? Yeah, real quickly, let's see the uh, let's see the Henry Cejudo response, and then we'll move on to the next topic here. I just want to see it Garfield. Yeah. Hey, Dana White, this dude is straight up scared. I fought DJ, TJ, and Marlon Marais, who knocked him out cold in round one, all in 10 months. When I retired, I never held up the division. You had my pink slip on that Monday. Hashtag the hitman. Okay. Uh, thank you, Captain Cringe. Uh, look, I, I want Cejudo to parachute back into this and, and, and get a shot. I know you've been going back and forth on IG with the captain, right? Just a little bit. I think he misunderstood me. He was like, you're, you're not giving Henry the respect of his abilities. I'm like, I'm not talking about his abilities at all. I'm not making yeah. one mention of it. The topic, or the pick that was, or the, excuse me, the, the video footage that was selected for the Instagram reel was just about whether or not Henry versus Volk is the same as Volk versus Islam. And for several reasons, I don't think they're even remotely equivalent. And so that's the argument that I'm making, not that Henry is some, you know, overrated fighter or something. Dude, he's amazing. I, I, I want nothing. I never wanted him to retire in the first place. I well, want him times- back and in the mix. I just don't think those are equivalent fights. Yeah, and just look, the nature of this business and promoting our show on social media, a lot of times you're going to get a point pulled out of context, not fully nuanced, right? I think that's why some fighters maybe see those clips and go, man, that, these guys are assholes. That guy, BC, doesn't know shit about fighting, right? I mean, that, maybe that's why Uriah Hall doesn't like us, Luke. Anyway, are you down with um, Sanhagen versus Marab? You down with that? Sure. It's a tough fight for Sanhagen, but yes. Absolutely. Okay. Some, someone's got to fight this monster. But if they're going to do the O'Malley and Henry Cejudo fight, let's just say that they do that. Again, who the fuck knows? Then I would want to see Cheeto versus Sanhagen because that fight I have more interest in personally. That's a little bit more right. fun to me. What, what, what do you think about Daniel Snyder putting the Red Commanders out for sale and then Zufa purchases it and puts the Slapdick League as the halftime show every week? <laughs> I'll just say this. Anything is better than Daniel Snyder. Anything. Okay. Thank you. The slap Thank league you. is better than Daniel Snyder. And the slap league is basura. I mean, let's just be honest about that. So Shout out to way, his it's gonna be real son, sad. Matthew Snyder. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be real sad. The first UFC fighter who then leaves UFC and doesn't go to BKFC but then goes to the Slap League. I'm gonna be real yeah. sad that day. Just wanna point yeah. that out. All right, BC, yeah. last but not least for our top five topics or our top four topics today. This was an interesting one. So we were all waiting for not this coming week, or I should say the 12th, but we all thought in the 19th it was going to be Terrence Crawford taking on uh, Errol Spence, or Spence Crawford, however you want to say it, and it just didn't materialize. So yesterday, BC, Terrence Crawford went to IG 
and spilled his guts about it. I kind of want to pitch this to you. What he claims is that a hedge fund company, because those are reliable, contacted him and offered him $20 million each for him and Spence to fight. Spence and his advisor, Al Heyman, weren't interested in the deal. Yeah, I can imagine that they wouldn't be. And then Crawford on IG says he called Spence himself and said, hey, we can get $25 million a piece guaranteed. What are you going to do? He's like, $25 million? What about the back end? I'm like, listen, if they make the if they make they money back, then we're going to get 80-20. It's simple math. Uh, and he goes on to say that he basically went to Spence and didn't hear back. What do you make of all the things that he said? And what's your reaction to them? So it's still a lot of he said, he said, obviously. And that's been a big part of this. You've had Bud and his team largely talking to Mike Coppinger of ESPN. And then he'd get on with Kellerman and they'd give that side of the story. The rest of us in the media have largely heard sort of through channels, the PBC and, and by extension Showtime side of the story, which painted a different picture. Uh, at the end of the day, Luke, this is the part of boxing that sucks. When Like right now, you don't have a... A, the type of obstacle that, that's normally preventing the great fights from happening when networks don't want to deal with each other or promoters, you don't really have that here. Bud's a free agent. But it was good to hear his side of the story. There was an interesting sort of moment in there when he said that uh, in this day and age of people stealing fights, he said him and Spence both uh, revealed and agreed that they both have fire sticks, Luke, so they steal fights regularly anyway. So uh, uh, the reason why I made that joke was to basically say he's claiming, Bud Crawford, that the deal that he's been presented with from PBC and Heyman doesn't guarantee anything up front, which is would be weird for a big time fight, right? Don't you? Don't we always hear when Floyd would fight somebody? The you know Nevada State Athletic Commission reveal that you know Floyd would be guaranteed, let's say, forty million, and then his opponent be guaranteed five or eight or whatever, and then they'd both get a certain percentage from the pay per view on what they negotiated afterwards. So again, it's more he said, he said. Are you going to believe? In Crawford saying that there was no upfront guarantee and everything was going to be on the back end and, you know, he wants to see all the receipts to see where all the money's going. Are you going to believe what we hear through the channels of PBC and Spence that, you know, Crawford at various times ghosted the negotiation process right when it looked like things were ready to go and and, and Team Spence had given in to the certain demands by Crawford. Either way, Luke, it's a sad, ongoing soap opera of really, you know, separate from... Tyson Fury fighting for all four heavyweight titles against, you know, Usyk or Joshua or whoever, however that, you know, ends up playing out. Looks like Usyk Fury now. This is the biggest fight of this era, without question. I mean, this is it. This is two unbeaten fighters, generational talents in the sports sexy welterweight pay-per-view division. And there's nothing promotionally or network-wise seemingly holding this up. To, to talk specifically on what Crawford's saying, you know, he tried to bring in an outside suitor. I mean, I, I could understand why Al Heyman, who had been building toward this fight for a long time and has his networks in place and, and all of that, you know, ne- wouldn't necessarily want to go in that direction. What was also interesting was Bud went on a Floyd-like rant, the same rant Floyd used to give at Manny, saying, you know, I don't have a boss. You have a boss. And Spence, you can't come with me and do this fight elsewhere because you have a boss. Well, yeah, Spence is, you know, under contract and signed with, you know, with, with the PBC side of things. And Floyd used to say the same thing about Manny, you know, we could have done this fight already, but you're with Bob Barham and he's your boss. The whole point of this in my rant here, Luke, to put out some of the facts is Spence, you know, Crawford in this case might be right on some of these things. Um, the only way we'd know is if they showed us the, the, the contracts and if Spence and Crawford had a public debate back and forth sharing the facts, but people don't want to see them in a fucking public debate. They want to see them in a fight. All right. So uh, the the true nature of Crawford's message here at the end 
was he said he's heard that, you know, we know he's going to fight David Avenison on December 10th, and BLK Prime is putting all this money out there. They just paid a ton load to Adrian Broner Which, to by sign the way, him. No one knows anything about BLK Prime, and yet they've got tens of million dollars to give away. Boy, that doesn't have red flags all fucking over it, does it? You know, in Craw- Crawford, it does. In Crawford's uh, rant, basically said, you know, I heard that Spence is going to fight Thurman instead. So af- if we both win, I'm still interested in doing yeah, this fight next no, year. No, I don't believe. I do. I'm telling you, if he fights, well, if he actually gets paid what he says he's going to get paid, which by the way I'm skeptical, but if he does, he's who's yeah, who's who's fronting ten million to Bud to fight David Avenison on an independent right. pay per view? Please right, show exactly. me that. Like this all just seems total bullshit to me, or at least or partly bullshit. Like it's hard to know exactly what's what because we we have limited information. I got to tell you, I don't think he fights Spence. I, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. You know, I, I lo- would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I don't think he wants it that badly, and I don't think he's going to do it. I, I think well, we've lost that one. You know, th- there's some people that say, oh, you guys are too close to Showtime. You're not fully showing Crawford's side of the story. Well, we only have what's been showed or told. Now we have more from Crawford. The whole point is this. Could they in- conceivably both win, you know, Crawford in December, maybe Errol in January, February, if that's when they're going to do his next opportunity, and could they still fight each other next year, you know, next summer, summer, blah. well, yeah, in theory, it could be, but how much irreparable damage are we continuing by going down this road? Uh, at the end of the day, no one really knows who's right. Maybe we sided with Spence based on things we heard, but nobody really knows who's right, but the public doesn't give a damn who's right. The public wants to see the fight. There's a lot of interest. Bud doesn't have a promoter or or whomever getting in the way here. Make the damn fight. Because, Luke, it, 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 you know, both could lose, or maybe we could get to a point where it's like, Mayweather Pacquiao survived an unnecessary five-and-a-half-year build, largely because of the star power of both and the fact that both used every fight they took in the interim to kind of, like, promote as this is the final step before we finally make that fight. But, again, you had two completely different fan bases they were clearly the two best in the world they were two of the most popular fighters we'd ever seen spence and crawford are great but i don't know if they have that same type of footprint to demand to ultimately demand this type of build and neither one is demanding in, in theory hey let's keep pushing this off but by not just sitting down in the same room everyone involved and just figuring out a way to get it done just like by the way bob aram and don king noted haters of each other used to do when it came time to make the big fights back in the day, just like Spence and, and I'm sorry, just like Pacquiao and Mayweather finally did when former CBS lead Les Moonves got that waiter involved. We all know that story from 2015 and we finally got that fight. The difference in my opinion was that fight was even bigger and the build, which was a gamble. Let's not forget that Pacquiao actually lost twice in that interim, one by upset to Bradley, one by getting knocked the hell out by Marquez, yet still came back around. They were still number one in two pound for pound. They still made the fight. Was it after market in the end? Yes. It didn't affect the financials, though. It's the biggest thing we've ever seen. I don't think th- this fight, these two matchups, these two brands has that same luxury. Um, yeah, I've got the same fear you do, Luke, that for whatever reason, number one being that they don't seem to get along at the on the business side of things. I got fears whether this does happen or if it does happen next year. But it's going to be 36. Spence ain't young either. We are really heading toward another Mayweather-Pacquiao situation. Only again, these guys are not that same exact level where it's going to demand two point whatever million buys. It's not. It's just not. So 
This is disappointing. I'm glad Bud went public and we finally got uh, some level of transparency to to the process, but it's still a lot of he said, he said, Luke, which is par for the course for boxing. But at the end of the day, it's 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 bullshit if you want this event to actually really mean something because all you're going to do is turn away the fans who are going to look at both sides, identify them as greedy without really knowing the full facts, and and there we are. And you know, it's and to see Bud come out and be like, well, everyone's stealing pay per views everywhere anyway, except for including both of us. So who cares anyway? We want this guaranteed money. Well, you know, are we now? We're showing now now you know what happened to kayfabe, Luke. Now we're showing all the cards, right? I, I don't know, dude. It's disappointing. It, well, it's listen, a re- uh, I'll say I'll say this from from my vantage point. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's wrong for the audience to be skeptical of some of the things we say about this fight, given our affiliations. Although I would caution them that like the amount of information that we get from Showtime about this is close to zero, so we're kind of floundering in the dark here as well. Um, but that's fine. I don't really mind that. Like, get what you think is the best source of information and use it. But what I would submit to you is just sort of rationally look at this. Bud had a fraught relationship with. Uh, Bob Arum basically the entire time to the point where he was done with him he sued him right so that's either ongoing or whatever the hell happened with that he doesn't want to enter in this agreement and during the course of the negotiations leaves it to go take a fight with a with a fly-by-night operation that is proclaiming to have vast amounts of money and we know nothing about them which seems ultra sketchy it's not to say that I think he's scared of Spence or whatever but his commitment to like driving toward the fight I think you could very much call into question Right? Who was the party yes. during the middle of negotiation that decided to leave it and take another fight by a fly-by-night operation and the same person has had a fraught relationship with any amount of control that a promoter could exercise? What could be better if you're Bud Crawford than someone not really knowing anything about how to control you but willing to offer you tons of money? It seems like a perfect scenario, which is why I think he took it. And in the end, it is prize fighting. Get the biggest prize you can. But uh, while I am certain, while I am certain that there is probably plenty of blame to go onto either side of the equation here. One party was the one that left him in another fight. One. And I think that speaks volumes in the end. Well, one thing that you have to say that's true, it's facts. Bud's acting like he has more leverage than he actually does. Like, I don't, at the end of the day, like Bud said, everybody's just mad I'm trying to get a bag. If it's all about the bag, then go fight Avenisi and let's never make this, this, this Spence fight. But at the end of the day, Bud doesn't have a track record as a pay-per-view brand. Every time he's done that with Top Rank, who consistently seemed to overpay him to keep him there and keep him happy so that he wouldn't jump ship and go get the career-defining fights that are you know available to him at the PBC. Luckily, he ended up getting Sean Porter because everybody worked together there at the end, which is rare. But Bud, I don't think, has the... The leverage in this case in the, in the history as a draw, despite his greatness and his unbeaten record, to make some of these level of demands. Look, I don't want Bud to get railroaded at the negotiation table, so he's got to do what he has to do. But remember when we wanted to see Joshua versus Wilder and we got frustrated that didn't happen when both were unbeaten? And, you know, there was that time that the zone suddenly offers Deontay Wilder $100 million to, to leave his setup and come over here and guarantee two fights against Joshua. If Al Heyman's not going to go in on that because he already had his own setup with his own networks and everything, why is he going to go by a fly-by-night organization and say, well, go ahead, Errol, go fight on, on Black Prime for, you know, whatever amount of money and whatever. see if the dude, who is gonna, dude, like, who's going to... See if the checks like, bounce. They, the, if they gave him $10 million, how many buys is uh, Bud's next fight going to do? Yes. Like 50000 maybe 100000 so the best thing. case. They're going to lose their ass on this. So Bud doesn't have the same leverage that... To be fair, both a Pacquiao and Mayweather had, although there were different circumstances why that fight was delayed so long. There was the drug testing. There was was Floyd waiting him out. There's a lot of things that went into that. 
But those are two different individuals than these two. You got the chance to become the Mayweather or Pacquiao of your era by winning the biggest fights in the ring. Look, I don't want Bud to not get a you know upfront guarantee. I don't, I don't know the situation here, but I don't think he has the same leverage. He's the free agent coming to them. He's suing his old promoter who let him go for for racism and, and stuff, but he also wasn't a. And I'm not saying that, that if that's true, that's you know despicable. But is there proof in that? I don't know. You know, I mean, Bud was also consistently not a draw. He doesn't like to do media. Everything you heard, he wasn't you know easy to deal with. Um, he's also going to be 36 soon. I so know. I'm telling you, DBC, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, look, look, seriously, Spence is, Spence really has a small window here in his mid thirties to be able to make 147 anymore. It's a process. Just, just like it is, just like Aljo said for him, right? It's a process. He's going to be at 154 before we know it. That's the, that's the truth of the matter. And that's, that's disappointing, but that's where we're at. There's, there should have been nothing that got in the way of this happening. Uh, is there some fault on the PBC Spence side? I don't know. Crawford says there is, but good Lord. Why can we just blow up BLK prime and David Avenison for December 10th and just make this fight for January or February or whatever. I mean, what the hell are we doing here? And that's to everybody, to Luke. That's the, right. that's a message to everybody here, really, right. at the end of the day. All right. Let's, uh, with that in mind, BC, I want to let folks know about our next sponsor, which is Established Titles. Uh, Established Titles is a fun and novel way to preserve the natural woodlands, BC, of Scotland, where I think you're from on some level, while helping yeah. global reforestation efforts. Yeah, well, you know, my, my people may have derived there a long time ago, but here's the deal about this project, Luke. It's based on a historic Scottish custom where landowners are referred to as lairds or lords and ladies in English. The the lords and ladies, Luke, that's what they are. Title, title packs give you at least one square foot of dedicated land on a private estate in Edelston, Scotland, and an official certificate with a crest. Your certificate features a unique plot number with which you can see the exact location of your land. And established titles plant a tree with every order and work with global charities like One Tree Planted and Trees for the Future to support global reforestation efforts. I mean, look, own your piece a lot today. Own that shit. Cool perks are you could, for example, officially change the prefix of your name to Lord or Lady. BC, you could pick Lady and get it on your credit card or plane tickets. They even have a couple pack, couples pack, couple packs that come with adjoining plots of land. And the first 200 people that purchase a title pack using our link will effectively be next to our plot. You want to move in next door to us? Here's your chance. Within a few minutes of walking distance, depending on how many you want to become a lord or lady, we can build our little morning combat kingdom, Luke, all right, right next to each other. Yes. Established Titles makes an amazing last minute gift, and they are actually running a Black Friday sale. That's what it says here. Uh, their biggest sale of the year. Plus, if you use the code COMBAT, you get an additional 10% off. So go to establishedtitles.com slash combat with a K to get your gifts now and help support the channel. Own a piece of land, own a piece of history. It's a unique, interesting gift. And that's establishedtitles.com slash combat with a K for an additional 10% off. Luke, I would love to buy a piece of land and just declare myself because I've been adopted by the Welsh, you know, close enough to Scotland as the Duke of something. I'm the Duke of something, Luke. It's going to happen, all right? The Duke of Dookie. There he is. There he is. There it is. All right, Luke. Uh, every once in a while on this show, we fill time in between uh, segments here. And today, we're going to bring back an oldie but goodie. This one's called Over Under. Want, want, I want, 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 want. Bump, bump. All right, Luke. A little bit of news here. Michael Chandler has re-signed with the UFC a new deal, an eight-fight deal. He talked to MMA on point, and he said... 
When I came to the UFC, I said I wasn't here for a long time. I was here for a good time, as we all know. Well, it turns out I just signed another eight-fight deal. We'll see how long I'll be here. Luke Chandler is 36. He joined the UFC in 2021 after really being the face of Bellator alongside the great Pitbull. He had three fights that year. He is scheduled now, fighting Dustin Poirier next week, to have two fights this calendar year. So over under eight, the number of fights Michael Chandler will have left with the UFC at age 36. So he signs an eight-fight deal, and the number is eight. Am I going to take the over or the under? I'm going to take the under. I don't think he's got eight more fights in him total, much less with the UFC. Um, Because, of course, they could release him or whatever. I'm going to say total he's going to have five more. I think even that's pushing it. Um, Eight he will not see. this, This contract was designed for him to retire on, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, he's here for a good time. And when you are like that, you're going to be in some wars. You're going to make some fireworks. But I don't know if that builds it was, won't BC, it was funny. I spoke to Benil Dariush. You can see the interview here on uh, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. And I actually asked him, like, who do you like in the Chandler Poirier fight? And he was like, well, in many ways, they're kind of similar in terms of how they approach offense. But he was like, dude, I think Chandler's just so focused on being exciting and being entertaining that it's a little hard to predict him with accuracy because is he fighting up to his actual ability or is he fighting up to his excitability? It's a fair point. It's not a bad point, actually. We don't really know. He's obviously very skilled, very talented, but it makes like, what's he going to do in this fight? Fuck if I know. You know, it's a little bit hard to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's going to be, hey, dude, next week's going to be awesome, right? It's going to be really good. We're going to be on the ground in NYC. Got a lot of special surprises and bonuses for you. Hey, look, I liked Jake Paul week in the end. You know, even though Phoenix took a big bite out of me, Luke, and I'm not sure I'll ever be the same because you know how washed I am on the road. But um, next week, uh, if, if you're if you said, look, Jake Paul was fun, but I want my UFC and I want it now. MK is going to bang you next week. Oh yeah, we're going to bang you right in the face. Okay. All right, Luke. Let's go to our next one. Hey, Chris Cyborg, the great Bellator champion, all time great. She talked with Henry Cejudo about this idea of what she really wants, which is to slide over to the box and take on Katie Taylor, your undisputed lightweight champion. She said, everything you do, you want to be the best at what you do. I may start saying no early boxing, but if I have an opportunity to fight for the belt, like Katie Taylor, who called me out yesterday, she had her fight, she won, congratulations. She said, if the fans want to watch this fight, if you want to watch it, I'm going to be willing to do it, said Katie. I feel wonderful having my name there. So then Cyborg said, I know I did a lot of things for MMA, but for me, boxing is a dream. I'm going to work real hard. For sure, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to do my best. Luke, while we recognize the ambition of the aging legend here, the great Chris Cyborg, Taylor's last five boxing fights, she was a minus 6,000 favorite against Carbajal, minus 125 against Serrano, minus 2,500 against Sharapova, minus 10,000 against Han. And minus 700 against Jonas, Natasha Jonas. Um, Luke, minus 1,500 over under the betting line that Katie Taylor would be favored in a boxing match against Chris Cyborg. Uh, I'm going to take, well, I'm not sure what to say here. Uh, She was minus 6,000 against Carvajal. That's 60 to 1, Luke, against another human being with 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 a pulse. I'm going to take the over here. I think she'd be favored by more. That's right, right? I'll be taking the over in this case. Like It'd be more of a favorite, not less. Yes. yes. Um, I saw Chris Cyborg fight Yorina Bars, which was kickboxing. It was not boxing, but I watched that one live, and Yorina Bars went to work on her. 
Uh, it was not close. Now, you give credit to Cyborg for fighting someone that good and for surviving tough moments. I think she would do... Like, I do I think she would perform ably and make a, a respectable account of herself given such a tough matchup? I do. I do think that. But I think in the end, she would get handily beaten and uh, Katie Taylor would be a massive, massive favorite. Maybe not 6,000, but well over 1,500. I mean, like, I want to give Cyborg her due, and she did the right thing by taking a setup fight to, to, you know, show that she can do it, but... Cyborg's talented, and of all the female MMA fighters, you could see her having the best chance, or one of the better chances anyway. Um, so, I, you know, I, I respect Cyborg a lot. She was there at, 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 at the Jake Paul and, and Anderson, Anderson Silva fight week, and or the fight night anyway, and she's a great ambassador for the sport. I really like her, but, you know, that's a fucking... <laughs> that's like the uphill of the most uphill of uphill climbs yeah she'd be massively massively I mean, it's, uh, okay it's know. not the same as jake paul saying he wants to fight canelo but is it the same as usman saying he wants to fight canelo to some degree it's like okay cool but it's, it's it, well uh cyborg's a little bit older so that's not quite the same but it's roughly equivalent now if you're katie taylor who we just read the quotes that she sounded interested do, do, does katie taylor jump at this just for the spectacle and global global acclaim for this luke just for the the commercial credibility of this well i gotta say bc if blk prime comes to her i mean who could say no right that's true who could that's say true. no that is very true all uh, right Chris, Luke, let's I, keep Chris it. i've worked 37 and then i think kamaru is what like 35 34 or something like that it, well to be fair katie taylor's 36 but it's not the age that's in question here definitely yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Mike Perry, one of my favorite combat sports athletes. Luke, you may remember he went one and four to end his UFC deal before being released. He's now gone three and zero since then in a variety of Triller and BKFC cards. And boy, do I hope he doesn't enter the slap dick league. But we'll see what happens. He did talk to the schmo. Shout out the schmo about his fighting future. He said, "Man, I don't know. What do I want? I can't lie. I mean, I just keep thinking about the days." When I forget the days of the old matchmaker, back in the days when Rampage, Vanderlei, and v Vitor Belfort train traveled and fought all over the world. They were back and forth. The UFC has that big show. So I would like to get the money I'm getting now, but over there in the big show. Yeah, good luck with that, Mike. Uh, and I'll put on a big show like I always have. I know the fans have been talking about put Perry back in the UFC. A lot of them hate, like you're not there anymore. I mean, you ask what do I want, and I'm being honest. I want to be on the biggest platform there is in the fight game. Well, Luke, that would be the UFC. So over under one, the number of remaining fights Mike Perry will have inside the famed octagon. Okay, so and you before, mean like before you not, answer, not counting the previous one because he's already got a bunch, well, right? Obviously, obviously. Or we, or we, what are we doing here, bro? Uh, I got to ask you quickly: Was he cut? Or was he released mutually? What is there? Is does that play into this? In your I think eyes? he was released mutually. I uh, believe that's okay. Right. Um, um, is there any scenario in which the UFC brings him back? Yeah, I think there is. I think there is. Um, I wouldn't call it the likeliest scenario, but he still has a name. He's done really well since he left UFC, as you indicated. Um. He's got a fight-friendly style for the most part. He's a wild card. There's he's certainly a wild card. Um, there's not many guys who once they leave the UFC, where I'm like, especially when they had like you know a record that was kind of up and down, uh, that I think could get back in. He is one of them. He's one of them. I would say, wow, yeah. You know what? I'll take the over on this as well. I'll take the over. 
It's a wow. risky. It's a risky over. It's a risky one, but he's got the potential for it. I think. Well, let's see. How old is this gentleman? He Luke is thirty-one. So okay, that that's better. I, you know I was saying? thinking he was like thirty-five. Yeah. I mean, he's been through the wars, but you know, Ocean might need new shoes, Luke. So this is where we're at one day. Hey, dude, my daughter's wants- growing like a weed. Uh, I get it. I hear you. I just had to buy my son's suits for this wedding I'm going to. No uh, way. That's cool. They're going to wear once, right? They're going to wear these once, probably, right? Uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, what are they, like in their teens? Like, yeah, you'll never see them wear it again. Yeah, yeah, great investment. All right, uh, let's keep that going here, Luke, on this. Shout out to, by the way, our great producer, Mikey Mormile, for for uh, setting us up this week. Uh, let's go to GSP. We're all talking about will he come back, won't he? He talked to MMA Fighting about that this weekend at the Jake Paul fight. He said, I'm already out of my UFC contract. I'm out. I couldn't be here today working with Showtime if I was under UFC contract. It might piss off the UFC that I'm here at the Jake Paul fight, but I did it because, like I said, I have the freedom now to do whatever I want with whomever I want, whenever I want. If I wanted to box, never say never. If it's for a good cause, well, who organized it? I could box. I could grapple. Who knows? But my days of trying to prove I'm the strongest man in the world, it's gone. Blah, blah, blah. He's got other priorities. Okay, Luke, we heard some very PC answers. He gave it to us post-weigh-in when we interviewed him about his future. One half over under the number of professional combat sports events GSP will compete in outside of the USC moving forward. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the but over. But does grappling here. count here? Does like ADCC or high rollers count here, Luke? Well, he wouldn't make it to ADCC unless he got an invite or won the trials, which I don't think in either case they're going to do. And even, even then, he would get whooped. He wouldn't do very well. Because um, there's like the best. I mean, maybe he had the trials if he won that, but he wouldn't win the trials. Like, he, he's not he's not good enough for that. Um, I think he's going to box. I definitely think he's going to box. Um, and I think he's going to have maybe a couple of them, maybe just one. Cause you know, he did the one thing when he came back against Bisping and then was gone again. He did tell us, he was like, Oh, I don't miss the nerves and everything else. But I tend to think there's two, he's just, I know he would stay in shape no matter what, but I often feel like he's feathering a nest for something. I think yes. he's waiting for like just the right moment to swoop in, catch up, you know, a big paycheck and then be on his way. So I think I'll take the over on this. Interesting. Uh, would you would Karate Combat be in play? Isn't he related to them somehow? He does a broadcast. He does broadcasting stuff for them. Um, and of course, he has a background in Shotokan Karate. But I don't like. Can they afford him? Like the whole point is that he would be like a big st- boxing is where these guys want to go because it's just where the biggest money is. Um, I mean, so- look, I, he he got a firsthand look as did Anderson of the treatment you can get in a you know Showtime pay per view against Jake Paul. I'm not saying I want to see GSP versus Jake Paul, but is there a matchup? Maybe it's that one, Luke. GSP's kind of small. Maybe it's that one, though, at the end of the day. Is there a different matchup in in, in your mind? Is it him against Anderson boxing? I mean, what is it? Again, we've been over this. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, he needs a natural rival. And right now there isn't one. And so for that reason, I think he's kind of like looking Nate around. Diaz. But he's Nate not gonna he's not gonna let the year 50 come and go without him being in there one more time. It's just I don't buy it. Nathan Diaz. Yeah, okay, but like, yes is the answer, yes, but like, dude, if Nick right. didn't have anything for him, granted it was MMA, but I, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Entertain me for 25 seconds about Jake Paul's future. Everyone else can put their fingers in their ears. We forgot to mention talking about potential larger opponents because he's growing out of these aging welterweights. I kind of like Ryan Bader. I know you're a shit on that. 
Oh, but everyone goes, dude, TRT Belfort is boxing Rockman Jr. coming up. What about Jake Paul against TRT Belfort? Look, come on, you got there's that the, the 2013 version of you has to love this idea. <laughs> um, let's see how he looks against Rockman Jr. Let's see how he looks. Let's see how he looks. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Let's keep it going here. All right, Luke. Uh, hey, you know about this guy, Hamza Chemaev? Well, uh, Robert Whitaker was on Submission Radio. Uh, love those guys down under. And he was saying, look, stylistically, fight-wise, I think Hamza is a terrible fight for Colby. Terrible. Because you saw that Usman, from Usman, that anyone Colby can't just relentlessly spam takedowns on. It becomes a kickboxing and striking match. And I think Covington's great at what he does, but he's not a kickboxer. He's not a striker by trade. That doesn't come naturally to him. His pressure style and wrestling style is what comes naturally to him. And Hamza can counter-wrestle Colby. He's a big dude from long range. Blah, blah, blah. Hamza's a bad matchup for Colby. So, Luke, with that in mind from the the uh, the damn Knuckles guy, the uh, what's what's Whitaker's real nickname? The Reaper? No, what is it? Um. Well, they call him Bobby Knuckles. That's the best. Yeah, name. but he he does not like that. Yeah, okay. I think Reaper. I think Reaper. All right, well, we'll reap this. Luke minus two hundred over and under. The number that Hamzat Chemaev will close at as a potential betting favorite in this proposed Colby Covington idea. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. I don't think he finishes. Now, whether or not the fight is close, whether or not he goes in there and beats the shit out of him, you know, a different question. You're asking where are the odds going to close. I tend to think the odds might close a little closer. I mean, not not that minus 200 is a massive favorite, but I tend to think you're going to close sub under, you know, around the 150-ish, 180-ish kind of mark. Four but You're off on this. I think you're off on this with respect. I I think that, you know, I mean, look, he went in there after the ridiculousness of the weight cut, and he, he absolutely does what he does, which is dominate and finish, Luke. I think Robert Whitaker's got a point here. On what Colby can do. I mean, Colby can, you know, he boxed five hard rounds of that first fight with uh, with Usman before getting stopped. But Hamzat does seem to be a bigger, different animal in this regard. I, I think he'd be a minus three twenty five favorite. Ooh, okay. Uh, I, I'm not like the best with odds. I'm not a big gambling guy, so you would probably know better. But um, that would be shit, crazy. Luke. I just, I just spill bullshit into this microphone all right we got one more for you luke the over under in this case is five i want you to answer it after you watch this video but the five the over under is the number of minutes luke thomas would last in a room with these two individuals let's go to the videotape yeah i'm the liver king don't forget that i'm coming for you Yeah, I'm the liver king. Don't forget that. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Luke Hasbulla wanted. That's the coolest nothing. thing. That's the coolest thing Hasbulla's ever done. I gotta tell you, I'm now Team Hasbulla. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> Luke, imagine you Hasbulla and Liver King in a car ride of at least six hours. How many minutes would you last? Over under on five. Ten. I'll take the over, but that's about it. I could tolerate okay. it for about okay. ten minutes, and then I'm out. Dude, if you were driving, Hasbulla would be. Like scratching your eyeballs out like a raccoon, he'd be all over you, Luke. And Liver King would just be shouting into the fucking steering wheel with dead animals on his head, no shirt, like a, <laughs> a complete jackass. 
Yeah, I wouldn't All last right. very long. I wouldn't last very long. Although I got to say, shouts to Hezbollah. That was fucking hilarious. That was pretty good. Thank you. That's your over and under this time around. Hope you enjoyed it, Luke. Uh, speaking of Holy Hammer, though, Luke, right? Holy fucking hammer. Well, Holy Hammer is the hashtag of the future, and the people have been tagging us with it, Luke, when they see a, a big-time knockout on the undercards or, a, or to open the main card, and they, they say there's a fighter coming on. I mean, we, we see you and we hear you, Luke. So that's right. This month we are working with uh, our favorite show sponsor, Money Lion, the only money app you'll ever need, on a brand new segment, BC. They, they, uh, they love the combat sports community as much as we do, so we've decided to collaborate and create a new segment called the Money Lion Hammer of the Month. BC, the Hammer of the Month can be a boxer or MMA fighter on the rise. It's not getting the recognition they deserve. So, BC, we plan to highlight our nominees on the show and pick one winner at the end of every month to reward with an epic hammer trophy that they can show off to their friends and family. What do the folks need to know about it? How, what, how can they get involved? Well, are you hoping that the hammer looks somewhat phallic at all? Am I hoping that it looks phallic? No, I couldn't say that I am hoping that it looks phallic. Okay, okay. Well, Luke, uh, here's the deal. When you're watching fights over the weekend, and by the way, boxing, MMA, BKFC, look, combat sports is what we're talking about here. Let us know which fighters deserve this award the most. So what you want to do is hop on your go-to social media platform and tell us who you think should be nominated for the Hammer of the Month by use, by tagging at MoneyLion or at MoneyLionINC on IG, at MoneyLion on Twitter, at Inc. on Instagram, and use that hashtag that is catching on like an STD on your freshman uh, college dorm floor hammer of the month to learn more visit moneylion.com slash morning combat again that's moneylion.com slash morning combat all right sometimes you're the hammer luke and sometimes you're the nail sometimes you're the hammer of the month from moneyline all right we close this week with a fantastic segment every wednesday morning combat at gmail.com is the email address that you send in your artwork your tight t-shirt picks, your bad cable management, and sometimes your hot wives. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, this one's called Fan Submissions. You've got mail. Viewers. <laughs> Whose voice that. is that? Whose voice is that? It's Gaff. Gaffney yeah. Jim, my man. All right, let's start with, Luke, remember Saul? Remember I thought little Anthony was Saul at that time at the live show? What a donk I am, right? Just a little racist, that's all. Here's the real Saul, okay? He says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's Halloween. This is my first time as an adult handing out candy. And since I value my property and don't want it vandalized, instead of printing out Roy Rogers coupons, I went out and got the best assortment of treats and even Pokemon cards. Hey, guys, it's MK all day, nearly every day. Luke, your thoughts on Saul's backyard and really his build. Has he seen uh, the go, gym go, lately? Hold on, hold on. First of all, the, the selection of... Treats is nice. Go back to the other picture real quick. Yeah. Get my man a rake. How about that? <laughs> Luke, I, you know what? I mow the leaves up like an absolute lazy dirtbag, and it works great, dude. Right? Can I be honest? I have leaves all over my yard, too. This is actually his best Luke Thomas impression, just letting the leaves sit there. And all my neighbors have, like, green thumbs, and they spend all their weekends working on their yards. I'm always like, let that shit rot. It'll go. All right. So we has got a couple more photos here. Let's judge his candy selections. Can we go full screen on this? What yeah, do we got here? Screen. All right. So he's got the Starburst and the Snickers, a little bit of Three Musketeers in the middle. Uh, three Musketeers is for uh, 
absolute heathens. And he's got <laughs> dude, the Swedish fish on. and the sour. Dude, Three Musketeers is for peasants. I mean, let's just be honest. Dude, That's, Milky Way and food. Three Musketeers are classics. They're the Coke and Pepsi of classic candy it's, bars. It's, okay, it's dog. It's dog. I mean, I don't realize that ch- chocolate is bad for dogs, but it's dog food. It really is just oh, be honest with it. Uh, and then on the right, the Pokemon shit I've never had. See, Pokemon was not my generation, so I don't really know much about it. Um, yeah, it's lame, Luke. I, do we have anime <laughs> fans here? I don't know. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it's like... Yeah, I'm not the biggest anime guy or Pokemon, whatever the fuck that is. But uh, the rest of it looks pretty good. Although I gotta say, you see, for my house, Jose, I gotta say, for my house, you have to have an enormous amount of candy. This is a fucking good neighborhood for Halloween. Kids everywhere. Now, first of all, Saul's got a beautiful lady in front of him, so shout out to him. But is that his real hair, or is that like a Halloween wig? Does he have a a weave going on here? I think he's got a really bad wig. Okay. Well done there, Saul, on a, on a couple of But he's got a really categories. great shirt that you can get at morningcombat.store. I do know that. Indeed. One of our best fans, even if I think little Anthony looks like... Uh, by the way, shout out to Anthony and his lady. Uh, remember, they're, they're, trying to, uh, they're trying to consummate for Morning Combat, I think was what they were saying, Luke. I don't know if they said that, but that'd be cool. Right. Yeah. Think of us while... No, please don't. All right, let's go to Ryan. He says, hey, Luke and BC, appreciate the show and your passion for selling merch despite not getting a cut of the sales. Hope your contracts aren't as restrictive as the UFC's. <laughs> hey, hey, Showtime. Cut us in on that deal, huh? Cut yeah, us in this? on that deal. Is this WWF in the 80s? We don't get any cut of this? Can we blow that up? What is this? What is this saying? Basically, here? what they're saying is we're like, you know... Uh, oh, we, they're, we, they're we, comparing this to The Rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not independent contractors. We're employees, so we actually have a little bit more say over our careers, and and also also yeah. healthcare. But yeah, I got to tell you, would love to get some of that some of that merch money, but we don't. So you know, let it be uh, known. Yeah, the first pick says here there are some new factory town items, and the bottom pick says we don't pocket any of the money, but it's good for the show. So there you go. It's got the Terrence McKinney tweet about not getting paid to wear the rock shoes. Look, did you know Aaron Bronstead or great guy, right? Friend of the mm-hmm. show, part mm-hmm. of the family. He said he has only ever watched HYSTS through the audio pod. And he says he loves to imagine what we're talking about on Have You Seen This Shit while listening. Is that like some weird voyeur shit or do you respect it? I mean, that's when you love vinyl too much. We are just like, I don't even need to see things anymore. I just right. hear them. And you're like, well, <laughs> you don't. Hey, look, get off his back. He was a successful high school athlete, Luke. That's A.B., my guy right there, okay? Canada's right. own. That's the, he's my favorite Canadian journalist not named Moore Ronaldo, okay? Thank you, A.B. Let's go over to Eric. He says, uh, yo, LT and BC, 280 was such an epic UFC event. My buddy flew from Hong Kong down to fuck it Thailand to watch it with it's me. It's Phuket. Not, it's Phuket. We're not day one donks, but it's been MK every day since about episode 20. To mark the occasion, I ordered RJ Dunkle Nuggets MK merch one month ahead of the event. Thanks to the $10 international flat rate, a.k.a. the slow boat to China shipping, the merch arrived a day before the event. No worries. We brought the merch out on a long tail boat ride and had a good laugh at ourselves for being such sad, psychophantic, fan-submitting little bitches. And a fun little fact for MMA media's version of Cheech and Chong, Thailand recently legalized cannabis, and the country's going through a wonderful green revolution right now, coming over to Bangkok in January to cover one championship stamp Fairtex versus Anissa Mexin at the legendary Lumpini Stadium. You can Lumpini wake Stadium up and- is, is a cathedral in the, um, in the art of Muay Thai. He says you can wake up and choose violence or choose a hooker, 
or choose the art-inducing sativa gummies all in the same day. Keep up the good work, you washed pieces of shit. Well, Luke, look, 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 can we zoom in on these guys? Let's check this out. Are these guys best friends, Luke? They're just Jan Sixers on the run, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, the guy on the right has some uh, striations going on there. Is that what you call them, with the veins popping out? This guy's seen a gym a few times. Vascularity. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll... the other guy's just skinny fat. Well, I love the passion of these two, but Luke, uh, legalizing uh, cannabis in that area is probably smart, but they should decriminalize. They should criminalize some other things, right? Like what? Sex. They should criminalize that? Sex for pay? No, they should not criminalize that. They should definitely let that shit just like flow in the breeze. Stop supporting the sex trade, Luke Thomas. All right, thank you very much, Uh Eric, thank you so much. Nice shorts there, by the way, on the left, Eric. Okay. Oh, let's go to Alan W. He made a nice meme for us, Luke. <laughs> Remember how we were, like, seeing the praises of uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer? Yes, yes. Great movie. Great. Well, I got to say, you look like Bob Ross. I do. I do look like uh, Luis Pena. You're right. You're right, a little bit. No, 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 not violent Bob Ross. Bob Ross. No, I get the joke, Luke. I do. I look like both right there, to be fair, though. But, uh, Although the tears, I, I love the tears. Those are great. What a great movie. What a great comedic classic. All right, let's go over to Kevin. He says, after listening to episode 366 this Wednesday, I made a couple of memes about how I feel the show goes after it wins awards. So there's the progression, Luke. We vote for MK to win awards. <laughs> MK wins the awards. The show becomes 90% ad reads, not false. And the show becomes 90% uh, ad reads again. All right. Yep. <laughs> oh... Well, hey, what can we say? We got to pay bills, fuckers. Like, I know, you know, you got used to it when we were living on the cheap. But now yeah. it's like Twitter. You got to pay eight bucks a month for that shit. Well, look, wow, that's ridiculous. If we go on the road and do big shit, Luke, somebody's got to pay for it, right? It ain't free. It sure, uh, economics 101. No such thing as a free lunch. Uh, Luke, we've got uh, David Appleton coming in next. You know that guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Kev, first, first, let's hear from Kevin one more time. Oh, that is the dude. This meme is classic. I that mean, this meme is good. fucking classic. Yeah. That's, dude, what can we what, can we say they're wrong? I mean, we really can't. No, we can't. We can't. We're trying to win at, in business and in life and on this show. Okay, so uh, fucking. I mean, awesome. look, we do give these people two hours. Okay, so if like you know, eight minutes combined of those two hours are ad reads. Still free, right? Hey, you see Ashley connecting to the Zoom call? Thanks, Ash. Appreciate that. Glad you're here. Uh, we, David Appleton is here. Luke, you know him as a fantastic French school teacher who also abuses his students. He says, hi, guys. You've been bigging up my rivals for Dunk of the Year recently, so time to put them back in their place. Given all the awards recently, I wanted to take see if I could take the MK Challenge and spot the 80s and 90s reference and try to match you guys at what you do best. So here goes. Picture number one. LT doesn't even pretend to listen to BC on air and look as at as much stuff on my computer as possible challenge. It's easy to emulate. We all know what's on Luke's screens. <laughs> Is this an accurate representation, Luke, of your uh, many screens that we saw on Doc 7? 
I can just tell you, I don't look at women like this on Google Images. Let me just be very clear about that. That is not the site that I would go to for that kind of thing. You go to onlyman.com or onlypipes? Yeah, there you go. All right. And, uh, very well done, David A. Picture two, he says, is the BC painting challenge. I just took a Father's Day drawing my daughter did when she was four years old. It's easily better than BC's tortured, frustrated old guy art. I mean, come on, Appleton. You serious right now? I got to say, that's about how I see your art when you put it up there. It's like a third grader. You got to put their shit on the fridge. Luke, that is my body's way of emoting in ways that words won't cover. You know what I mean? It's like the only way I can really communicate my feelings. with. Well, the considering world, okay? you talk nonstop, it's weird that you would also need to emote in addition to that. Yeah, but the, the talk is all bullshit, right? The, the, oh, the, okay. the, the painting is the true art that comes out of me. Uh, number three, David says, is the LT put everyone else down because I'm better than them challenge. I tried to incorporate various aspects of his documentary performances. Cheers, everybody. I hope the debate is now over. Yours with love. The artist formerly known as French Harvey Bill Jeffrey. Let's see. Come on, BC. Get your back straight. Suck my balls. Suck my balls. Suck my balls. I read books. Suck my balls. Luke, that joke was so abstract and ridiculous that I gotta respect it. Okay, I mean, this is, this is wow. Uh, Luke, they our producers are telling us that suck my balls. I read books. There's never been a more accurate assessment of who I am as a person other than suck my balls. I read books. Yeah, while while lifting. Yeah, there you go. I'm told here that David A. also sent in a pic of his feet and tried to start a BC ugliest feet challenge. But Mikey refuses to show it and have that become a thing. Wow. Oh, you, wow, Mikey, some... why didn't you show that? You should have seen that. I wanted to see his fungus. How about that editorial control from Mikey? Normally, he's keeping dongs off of our screen so we don't get canceled, Luke. Right? I don't think we would get right. canceled. I think he's just being too... too he's, he's, he's censoring. Don't Thank censor you, me, Appy. bro. Thank you, Appy. Appy is on fire of late. Thank you so much, David Appleton. Let's go to Alan W. He says, Jason takes Manhattan. Loma takes Manhattan. Luke takes a bowel movement. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a reach. It's a reach. Dude, yeah. It's a reach. But I got to tell you, first of all, this is well made. It's well made. Second of all, I go into those Malka studios with the hope that I could save an absolute <laughs> fucking Tony Siragusa sized dump so I can just maul that fucking commode. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Luke, you know um, JP from uh, Mount Unike, Nova Scotia, right? Yeah, uh, not personally, but yes. This is the first submission from his wife, Dawn, the boss lady Paquette. She says, hello, MK. Dawn here, wife of superfan Jay from Mount Unike with my first ever fan submission. With Sydney, Australia being behind us, my work travels continue, so we thought it best to show off the merch as I go. I let Jay tag along to Miami and Key West this past week, and big thanks to Danny Segura for messaging us back with great restaurant and sightseeing recommendations. I sent Jay back home to work on his own fan subs as I move on to Germany and Ireland this week. In our household, it's MK every damn day and day after day. Love the show, the boss lady. So Luke... For context here, Dawn has this, this incredible global IT job where she's got to fly over the, all over the world and make sure everybody's not effing around. What do you think about this world tour they just took with MK? Boy, they're giving... Uh, who are the people in the Winnebago? 
Bill and Jen or Jan? Bill and Jen, yeah, Bill and Jen. Yeah, well, they're giving them a run for their money. I haven't seen them in a while. They're giving them a run for their money, dude. I got to tell you, uh, I've been to that point. I've never been to Australia, but I've been to that point there in uh, Key West, where they're at that little statue there. And I think Cuba's like sixty miles or ninety miles from there, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. And by the way, she's got Hanover, Germany, as you indicated, and Dublin, Ireland on deck. MK's going worldwide because of the MK fans. Amazing. Amazing. And Don puts up with a lot from JP. You have to believe that, Luke, because I think all he does all day is make hilarious memes for MK. So She's a tolerant one, but most of the females in my in my life and yours are exactly the same. Yeah. I hope they don't end up at fucking Thailand, Luke. You know what I mean? We don't want Jay getting Phuket? caught yeah, up in any that'd be, sauce. That'd be, that'd be yeah. real tragic. Phuket? I bet he would. No, I'm ki- I'm just kidding, Luke. I'm just kidding. Okay, thank you very much, Don. We appreciate your interest in this ridiculous show. Uh, let's go to Alan W. again. How, how's this guy getting through three times in one show? Uh, MMA broadcasting royalty. It's MK Gothic. Well, I got to tell you, this vape thing has really just lowered my stock in every <laughs> every imaginable kind of way. And I have no one to blame. I have no one to blame. I really look, have to I look in the mirror. Do we know Alan W.? Because he's coming on with this. This is brilliant. Yeah, right? this is amazing. Dude, this is like web scream level. Should we should we frame this and put it up in the studio? It's pretty great. great. It's 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 iconic. This one, it's really truly iconic. Dude, seriously, our donk of the year race is out of control right now. Like it's not also, like the past. Also, home blow it up real quickly. They didn't quite get it right, but they got pretty close. They got BC's face when he eats. It looks like he's bothered by the smoke, but that's really just how he eats when he closes one eye, like Egg <laughs> Shen from Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a tick. Luke, I got a tick. All right, it's it's what happens in life. All right, Luke, we close with with a with another candidate for MVP this year. It's JP himself. Okay, <laughs> he says, "Good day, crew." In the aftermath of all things Jake versus Anderson, if we look back at the pregame preview, the unofficial formation of the newer A team was revealed. Even the Donald is all in the horse. What a great super sloppy sausage party! Real sausage party, like men do. Love you guys. Keep up the amazing work. JP from Nova Scotia. First of all, not only are they just like putting on random vapes in my mouth, they're actually putting on the actual <laughs> vape that I have, which is scary. It's that well known. And the other part is, hold on, but, but blow it up one more time because I know who everyone is in this picture. Like left to right, it was all of us who did the pregame preview. Then in the middle, of course, it's the same people with the Donald. In the right, it's Jake Paul, his girlfriend, and Anderson Silva. Anderson. And then I think I see... It's Okamoto. Is that Brett Okamoto in there? Yes. Dude, this is such an inside joke deep cut. So what this is, is I declared that you, Chuck, and I are the new A-team, right? Surpassing the all-time great MMA beat A-team of Wagenheim, Helwani, you, and Chuck. And then we do it with with Danny and um, Sean Alshadi. So JP made us like the, the TV show, the A-team. And then he put Brett and Joanna driving the A-team van. This is brilliant, dude. This is like shockingly excellent. <laughs> and they got the Can fucking Donald up? in there. That horse was all over me, bro. So my wife, who's who grew up riding horses, says that Donald's behavior meant that he liked you, that he's a playful horse. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's what she says. Well, that bastard was nibbling on my chair. I, I was like, I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean. She said it was him trying to get your attention to like have fun with you and play. Oh, is that okay? All right. Um, well, I don't know shit about horses, as you could uh, as well tell. God, I got to tell you, this vape thing, man, I have really done a number on myself with this. I, I have no one to blame. I really have no one to blame. I'd love if to blame people only else. knew 
how much energy drink you consumed on the road and like the shittiest, most lowbrow version of high-end energy drink. That's like, so not true. I drink the highbrow versions of energy drinks. That's yeah, true. yeah. You drink unicorn pink bang. Energy. No, that's real no, highbrow. I though. only drink that when the staff it doesn't listen to think my very clear instructions and that's what they get me. What I drink is rain. And anyone who knows energy drinks knows rain is your is your that's your go to. That's the that's the apex predator of energy drinks. All right. All right. Well, thank you to JP and our fantastic submissions this week from everyone. Appy included. Morningcombat at gmail.com is where you can jump in. Luke, you would agree that this donk of the year race is just, it's a, I, I can't control it. I can't, I don't know who's winning right now. It's out of control. No? It's about as close a race as it's ever been. How about that? Closer, closer than, the, it's ever been. than the John Fetterman, Dr. Oz uh, Pennsylvania race at the moment. That's Closer also that. close. That's also close. But that's all. That one's also sad, you know. Because <laughs> if you're Pennsylvania, Dude, you just got yeah a terrible set of choices, basically. You know. Dude, did you? We should rate John Fetterman's tats. Did you see him on the inside of his arm, Luke? He has the. No, uh, I didn't see that. He has. He has the dates of all the deaths of people in in the town that he was ma- mayor of. All the dates on his arm with like lines through them. It's it's interesting. Yeah, that's a bit much for me personally. But, you know, yeah, he, dude, if you told me he was the ex-basis of Cannibal Corpse, I would not be surprised. Um, no, because those guys all have long hair. He'd be like, he'd be like, like the ex-basis for, I don't know, like some kind of metalcore band or some bullshit. Like, you know, you know, that really lame picture of you that floats around that was taken during the lowest moments of your life when you had the shaved head and the goatee. Yes. He does kind of look like that picture, Luke. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah, okay? I mean, I wish I could say he didn't, but, you know, it was All right. a sad well, moment b- in my hey, life. What can I do, BC? Speaking of Bill and Jen, they did sell the RV, and they they are currently living in Pennsylvania. I'd love to know who they're voting for in this race, okay? Are they are they Team Mehmet? Are I'd they MMA fans? Out, so. Then they're voting Republican. I mean, we just sort of know the answer to this, don't we? <laughs> Bill, let's get a wellness check on Bill and Jen. If you're listening, please uh, check in with us. But, Luke, that's our lengthy, blown, overblown show for the day, and, and it's it's... It's a joy to host this vehicle. I know it's you know it's not always perfect, okay? It's not always fun, sloppy as shit. But this is my life. This is the spirit I bring to the show, Luke. This is my passion, okay? Tip to tip. This, this community of absolute weirdos that you would never trust in a room alone with your child, but you love them just the same. That's right. I think I agree with that. People I wouldn't, I think I'd know. trust Dawn the boss lady with my kids, though. She seems like a reputable human, okay? Also, Paquette's wife. What's her name again? Jay Paquette's wife? Yeah, Dawn the Boss Lady. Look, that's a classic MK moment right there. You're like, you know, just not listening to me. It's great. I didn't know her name, fuckface. I didn't know her name. I didn't know her name. I heard what you said. I heard what you said. All right. Uh, Want to remind folks, we're going to be on Friday. We're going to have a special guest on Friday to help us at the beginning of the show. That should be a lot of fun. Saturday, you can catch us 6.30 p.m. in the East on the prelims on the Showtime YouTube channel. We'll be having some uh, commentary for the fights there, the prelim fights. And uh, yeah, so you can also go to Showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. You see all that gear that BC's wearing, you can go buy it. Morningcombat.store. We got a 10% off sale, Live 10, Live 10. will enable you to get 10% off of whatever you purchase on the store. BC already gave you the email. Any final thoughts, BC? Any final thoughts? Uh, the same people that make our great merch also make the All the Smoke merch and other great Showtime digital v- vehicles. We're always supporting them, Luke. So shout out to that. Love you some stack. And Matt Barnes, uh, he did play the basketball. Big fan of that guy. All right. But thank you guys Very for funny. everything. Very funny. 
Yeah. <laughs> just just like ending the show on seven LT digs. Is that what we're doing? Just all the knives. Yeah, just all the knives. All right, that's it. I don't. I'm done. I I can't do this anymore. Okay. All right. Uh, so for Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, for Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to everyone who watched. We'll catch you again on Friday and on Saturday. You can follow us there on social. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.